1: Welcome to the Rant Room. Well, what's up, y'all? It's your boy Hilliard Guests, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriter's Rant Room. Where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, everybody? What, Forever? Yeah. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. You hear the voices? Got my man in the building, executive producer of the new show Lace on All
2: Black. Tracy Grant in the building. What's up, sir? How did you do? Um, <laughs> great to be here with you all again. Mm-hmm. We have a guest, I have a, I have a little rant for everyone, but okay. I'll try not to take too long. We take your time, do your time. So, when you are an executive producer, decision maker, like whatever the title is, the title is not what it's cracked up to be anyway, mm-hmm. you need discipline, you need restraint, I've learned, and you had better be morally strong or mentally tough. Like when you get that phone call at eleven o'clock at night, or that email or three in the morning, like they're not calling to say they love you. Right? <laughs> they're not calling to tell you how much they love your writing. Hey, Drew, you know exactly what you're right? talking about. Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, they're calling you with an issue, and so you have to be ready to kind of solve that problem. We talked on a previous podcast about features and we were sort of offering our, our critiques, mm-hmm. and people have been very supportive of Lace. It was also brought to my attention, we've gotten some, some critics, and that's how you know you made it. Well, though. but, you know, I'm I'm old school with it, mm-hmm. so. He want to fight. Look. I remember a time. No, no. There was a time when you had to. I have a switchblade. <laughs> blade. You had to build up some credentials right. and kind of earn your way and establish some, some bona fides before you were awarded like a platform. Right. You know, Stephen A Smith talks about this mm-hmm. a lot. Sports fans know who that is. Yep. So he's a blowhard and he runs his mouth and ransom and raves on TV, but yeah. he says, "Look, you know, he I was covering a... I was Go covering ahead. high school basketball and I had to work my way up and kind of earn that spot before I was given an opinion platform." Right. Right. But now everybody's a journalist, everybody's a critic, mm-hmm. everybody's a broadcaster. Um, And so I would just offer that uh, other creatives don't worry about that. Certainly, you get feedback, you get the message, you have to hear the message, like the audience is never wrong and all of that. Sometimes the message comes in a nasty package, Mm. an obnoxious package, Mm. a needlessly hostile package. I love those. But you still Mm. got it you still have to take that. And then lastly, if you know me, you know The last thing I'm worried about is some dude or some chick, you know, with 14 likes on their social media (laughs) or their channel, you know, making a name of themselves Mm -hmm. off of something that that me and my people did. So it's the holiday season. You know, I will be home Drinking my eggnog with (laughs) brandy, listening to Nat King Cole, (laughs) and I thank everyone, including the critics, for watching our show. There you go. That's how you take it.
1: Yeah. What's up, Chris? Always critics.
3: Always critics. You know what? It's all good. I always quote, I think this is a Kandinsky quote, but it's from Kandinsky, this is guys are guys reading about uh, the naked critic. If you, if you haven't done it can you really comment on it mm. you know and mm-hmm. then there's the Theodore Roosevelt quote about the man in the arena you know mm-hmm. at least I'm out there getting my ass kicked are you getting your ass kicked right. you know yeah. are you gonna be getting killed by Maximus with two <laughs> blades <laughs> I just saw that,
2: again that the other night well y'all that. understand
3: yeah but. Um. But, but I'm good I'm I'm good Um. my favorite show came back the other
4: day <laughs> which one
3: Expanse oh. final yeah. season yeah. Yeah final season my buddy like I was like where's the fucking ads y'all didn't put no ads out for this show final show um, but yeah like 2 o'clock in the morning 2 o'clock in the morning yeah, a friend yeah. of mine texted yeah, me yeah. he said have you seen mm-hmm. I was like what I was like oh shit I'm, am I gonna like so you stayed up and watched I didn't, didn't stay up and watched I said no because um, you know what this is the thing right I've been trying to get on a on like an, on, a, on a I'm trying to I'm trying to like retrain my body to sleep mm-hmm. correctly okay you know because I couldn't sleep during the show. Mm -hmm. like It was so hard to sleep effectively and just like the stress and like coming home and like trying to watch episodes and read stuff and like the notes would would come at like midnight usually. Mm -hmm. It was just a lot of work and I'm like and as I've told everyone it's like 60 weeks straight on a show it was like insane. But so I'm just trying to work on that you know but sometimes I can't sometimes it's Mm -hmm. like midnight my brain is like rolling like ah I want to do something I want to write something now. I'm Mm -hmm. like I gotta relax now. (laughs) Gotta relax. But it's hard to relax if you're a writer because you just come up with ideas all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm compiling ideas to approach when I get back from the holidays. Um, I'm thinking of some shows I want uh, that I've missed, like I, I've missed so much. Yeah. It's weird when you're on a show you almost can't watch TV. But everyone has always got some time to watch something because you know mm-hmm. they start the room and they go, hey what about this, what about
1: this. You have no time.
3: And yeah, right? I'm, I'm, sure. like, I'm, I'm like, how y'all got time?
1: Oh, yeah. By the way, Andrews, yeah, before we get into you, Chris is like, you know, very well-traveled like you are
5: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and um, has some amazing movies and TV shows that take place all across Europe and international and all this shit. So Zadalfa's like, when we get her on, you need to talk to this bitch because-
4: That's exciting. <laughs> she, that's
1: all she does is all that shit right there. So we'll get into all that. So <laughs> if you guys are grown, let's go ahead Midwest and get it.
4: Midwest grown with a, you know- Global appeal. Yeah, that's what I like to say about myself. <laughs> you from the Midwest? I grew up in Ohio. Yeah, it was oh, more in Ann Arbor. I grew up in Ohio. Um, I also I spent time as a child in Seattle. Oh. Um, but where
3: in, wait, wait, but 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 like we're in Ohio
4: in Cincinnati.
3: Okay,
4: but we never spent a summer. My family and I never spent opposite years every two years we'd spend either the entire summer or the entire winter out of the country okay because my family wanted us to know the rest of our family globally and they wanted us to see the way the world kind of lived and then it became kind of habitual when I got to college um, and at the end of high school I actually studied abroad twice so um, yeah. But,
3: and you mentioned Ann Arbor. Did you go to the University of
4: Michigan? I was born. Oh, well. I was born a Wolverine kid. Really? Wow. I, was I was born in Detroit. I don't know if you know oh, that. no way. Yeah. Yep, born yeah. in Ar- Ann Arbor. No, that's
3: why I went to school.
4: And then moved to Seattle and then Cincinnati. But, you know, those Midwest values stick, but there's something about seeing the world as, at an early age that. Definitely shapes and is the reason I became a storyteller because you right. see how the rest of the world. You no, know,
3: that's that's very similar to my story because 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 I'm from Cleveland and my father used to trade coffee and used to do these infrastructure projects and like trade at,
4: coffee. That's yeah, so cool. And, oh, yeah, and in he's got
3: a whole show yeah, about it. <laughs> so I used to. Um,
4: Our families uh, was in the coffee business in India.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's wild. Yeah, it's wild. Hey, I have a fantastic pilot about it too. Um, um, but yeah, but that's what I did when I was like 12, I went to France for a summer and then I lived in Germany for a summer and then we went to some of the places in, in South America with my dad for like Ecuador and like Costa Rica for for his business and stuff like that. So very similar, like sure. tra- like traveling around, but from but then you go back to the Ohio and you're like, yeah, I was here in the summer. They're like, no, you weren't. <laughs> you weren't there. It's a <laughs> photo. It's a <that laughs> photo of me. You know, sorry, really, like
4: really hated it when I was a kid, you know, because it was like you'd miss like sports training right. and you'd miss like your summer friends. Yeah, um, but it meant that when I was <clears throat> a really small child, I was in even when my parents like it, it was hard for them to do because of their work schedules because they came here on student visas, right? So they they worked their way up in America as immigrants, and um. I'm first generation, and so, mm. even when it was really hard for them to do so, I don't know if you guys are familiar with immigration laws back then, but you weren't, if you were on student visa, you weren't allowed bringing like a lot of capital with you when oh, you came. You, ki- you kind of had to start over so that you would mm. work for America, right? Oh, interesting. Um, and so my mom went from like having um, help on, uh, they lived on this large um, coffee farm in India, and, like having help and people uh, always there mm-hmm. to like help with the housework and whatnot. To being Avon lady in Michigan wow. in the dead of winter, like <laughs> that's as that's a tough. student. That's so, tough. and I was their first child, so I've been with them through, um, you know, their coupon cutting days mm-hmm. to their like let's buy a Mercedes <laughs> days. So I got Very to hilarious. see the whole thing. Um, but yeah, they they made me or I say made me because a kid, it's made me, right? Mm-hmm. They made me as a child, go and spend time in India and uh, we would do my mom was big on service work and we would do a lot of work with Mother Teresa's uh, orphanage in India and so uh, she had she, she was children focused, right And so at very young age. Um, both with the help around the houses in India and then with going and doing the service work, I was seeing kids who were just like me. And when you're a child and you meet kids who look just like you and talk just like you and have the same excitement about life, they want to be the same things mm-hmm. as you. But, you know, your cultural differences are that that are both socioeconomic as well as right. cultural. And you realize like they want to be doctors and lawyers and engineers and actors. And, but, they are sleeping on straw mats in one house huts, right. and you're going back to Ohio and drinking orange juice out mm-hmm. of a carton. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there was this this kind of. Uh, subconsciously search for for like a love language that I would understand that crossed both cultures Mm -hmm. and that crossed those socioeconomic divides. And the one commonality that that you and I have with kids all around the world, or our kids' selves had with kids all around the world were the comic books we read, (laughs) the TV shows we watched, the music that we listened to mm-hmm. and the movies they saw. And these kids didn't have much, but they would right. sneak into movie theaters and they would watch TV shows through cra- And so, you know, their understanding of my world was these stories and these books that they read and these right. comic books that they read and my understanding of their world were these stories. And so I think that like the arts and um, storytelling became s- very important to me at a young age because even as a first generation American, it was, it was my tool to understanding different cultures, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it was first generation American, like, even like learning how to flirt, or learning how to like <laughs> be cute, or mm-hmm. learning like how to like how how to play on a sports team. Mm-hmm. Like there's just so many cultural differences mm-hmm. that like my parents weren't able to hand down to me, and so it was my it was my school. I was like, wait, like, I was studying it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's how you be funny in this. This how mm-hmm. this how you be funny in this cult. This is how this is what's acceptable in this culture. This is because you don't have that, you know. And um and so yeah, if it wasn't for me being exposed to like especially the way that many who are less fortunate than us live yeah. globally, I, I don't know that I would have realized the power and impact that storytelling could have and would have decided that that was what I wanted to do or invested in the arts so early. I mean, the other part was just, I had, was I had ADD as a kid. And so I wanted You to still be the, got ADD, I bro. To be the, I, <laughs> I believe that ADD is a superpower and I believe that all creatives have ADD yeah, and I indeed. believe that we've Killed a whole. Listen, I'm not a medical doctor, but I can't believe we have killed a whole generation of Picasso's by medicating people with ADHD oh, because it yeah, is yeah, a yeah. superpower. Right. Um, that being said, like I, 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 I wanted to be all these things, mm-hmm. and that was the other thing that drew me towards storytelling. It was yeah. like I wanted to be an Olympic ice skater, an Olympic gymnast. I like wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be an astronaut until I found out you had to pee in your suit, and that was just like too much for me. And so, where can I? Where can I be all these? things? Things, you know, I can feed on the stage, <laughs> and so that was the second piece, right? And where could I like experience all these things?
1: Let me let me interrupt you just really quick because we didn't really set you up. I apologize. We just started talking that's as okay. we do on the show. That's uh, we why started
4: talking before the that's show. That's why we're called
1: the that's why we're the rant room because we just be going off. But let me just introduce everybody to my sis over here. My little, I call my little sis like she, like we cousins.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and everybody, Epana, Epana, Is it's that's Adrusha it. A epana Mm -hmm. I always say that wrong. That's okay. I don't say it enough. That's fine. Listen,
4: I got a complicated mother. She gave me a complicated (laughs) name. Hilliard is hard
1: (laughs) enough, trust me. (laughs) Believe me. I understand. Um, Producer herself, freaking social media icon out there, killing it. I see you. I got the videotape on you.
4: (laughs) you. (laughs) Thank you. That's new, you know. But we're in the audience game, so if that's one way to speak to our audience, I'll do it.
1: But you've mastered it, though. I just watched, like, how fast... You know, your audience has just grown like overnight, like, oh,
5: you know, it's crazy. That.
4: I appreciate that, yeah. Um, you know, I really, uh, obviously as a filmmaker, as mm-hmm. a producer, um, I do writing as well. I, I work on music, like mm-hmm. as an artist, right, first and mm-hmm. foremost. I think the mm-hmm. one thing I've learned from being on the business side of our industry, which we could talk about, but oh, yeah, was a definitely. forced, was a forced departure to learn the business, is that, you know, all these, outlets and distribution channels and everything for art are changing and they're right. changing rapidly. I mean, even look at this NFT explosion, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing that has been consistent since you and I were kids and all the way till now is that audience is is the king in right. determining whether you have commercial success with those right. stories and whether those stories take off. And so social media, I think is the devil. Like I, I actually <laughs> don't love it. I don't love what it psychologically does for right. people, um, but I do think that in an industry where creatives haven't had a voice for a Mm -hmm. long time, to not use social media as a voice for yourself as a creative Mm -hmm. and to build audience is severely overlooking a tool that's been given to you. Mm -hmm. Um, It may not have been in the way that we as creatives would like to. Mm -hmm. You know, it can be cheesy sometimes, it can be a pain in the butt sometimes (laughs) to do, but Mm -hmm. it is A tool and what a beautiful tool for years we only had one voice and that was the press and Mm -hmm. now we have this voice that we can help cultivate our audience and more importantly we as producers there's only two producers I can think of at the top of my head who have ever um, cultivated fandom for their work uh, and for their creatives Mm. work from day one and the number one one is Walt Disney Mm. And so if you're not building fandom that can go from with your work from piece to piece, and you right. are starting over on every single here's, project.
1: Here's something mm. I love about you. Um, mm. I've referred a lot of <clears throat> young ladies to look at your um, Instagram. And mainly, because people are like, I'm thinking about doing an Instagram and doing like a little you know thing where I do skits or whatever. And I'm like, I want you to watch her and just look at how po- you're positive though.
5: Mm-hmm. You know
1: what I mean? Everything you do is like, let me give. Let me give. Mm-hmm. You know, even when you do something about, <clears throat> let's just say you go up to, the, like you took your father to the wine country yeah, thing, right? For example, to mm-hmm. Napa. And you took, here's a trip with my dad, but here's something you can learn from it too. Yeah. And look at how beautiful the universe is and the world, whatever, yeah. you know, you always have a positive take on it. And, and then you also flip that and you go, we're going to Europe tomorrow and let me give you some game on how you can prepare to go. Whatever it is, it's always coming from how can I give, no,
3: you know? There's definitely, yeah, I mean, you know, because like I'd seen your Instagram a, a bunch of times because I, I, I heard you on, on Trump House and I was like, oh, you sound very interesting. <laughs> but what I found interesting, what I really found interesting is that you put your workouts on your Instagram. Oh, yeah. You know, because I was like, I was like, oh, so you are very clear about like, you know, what's behind the scenes for what you're showing. Because Mm you, I think what a lot of people don't realize is is that you can really, you know, like... um, you can hamper your creative ability, but not taking care of your body the right way. Oh, yeah. you know. And so, if you do, so if, so if you show I, to me, I'm like, that's oh, interesting that you like do this and you really like dedicate it to doing it. I think you're saying you hurt your knee or something like that. That's why yeah. you do it. So, so it's not it's not just like, hey, I'm trying to look good. It's mm-hmm. like I got to do this so I can like you know so to so, so keep my to keep my mobility going. You know, mm-hmm. but life, I think it's fascinating
4: life, creative process, and success. I, I think it's all part of a very big puzzle. Mm-hmm. So I broke my knee when I was 15. I was gonna be a musical theater major until then. Mm-hmm. And I was told I wasn't gonna walk again without limping. And I had to take a whole year, I had to take a pass fail for my freshman year of high school because they put me in eight hours of therapy a day. And I was a soft kid <laughs> before that happened. <laughs> like I thought I was like, but like, you don't know pain until you do, I, you have a major injury, right? Like right. that, and you're like literally, being um, so, like my my ligaments were stronger than my bone. So instead of having an ACL or a meniscus tear, it actually oh, sliced yeah. my bone in half. <clears throat> and so I would go in and I would train with like our our city soccer team daily on like learning how to rewalk and bend my oh, wow. knee and mm-hmm. these things. And it was intensely intensely painful. Um, and what it taught me was was um, this kind of athlete mentality that many people and many success coaches will like refer to because there's a thing about having to go through something where you like have to wake up every day and you have to do this right and it changes your mentality and your approach and your hustle Mm -hmm. towards everything in life because if the worst thing has already happened to you and I've had many worse things happen to me then it's like you can't take anything away from me because Mm -hmm. I've already Mm -hmm. been to the bottom of the pit. Mm -hmm. So I know I can build up again, but that muscle of knowing you can build up again yep. comes from like crawling out of the dirt, yep. for sure. And for physicality sure. And, and working out like that became important to me because as we get older, like these things these things don't get better; they get no, they get, they get harder.
1: Mm-hmm. So <laughs> exactly, you have right. to take
4: care of yourself from from day one. And the thing is, it bleeds into your family life. It mm-hmm. bleeds into your your uh, work life, like if you- Sorry to say it,
1: your sex life?
4: Your se- all it, it the time. It does, things. Mm-hmm. If, you, yep. if you don't have, when you go and you accomplish something mm-hmm. in the morning, in the afternoon, wherever, you have something you've accomplished it is that feeling of accomplishment that allows you to go be an executive producer in Mm -hmm. set where everyone's Mm -hmm. telling you that you are total shit and Mm -hmm. like everything's falling apart. But guess what, you still, the brain, still knows you accomplished something Mm -hmm. today. So you are not gonna feel half as depressed as you would've if you hadn't accomplished something today. So it's interesting, these like, we're a muscle, our brain's a muscle and it actually like overflows to both sides. And so that's why it's so important in my opinion, to take care of yourself. Because how can you take care of other people? How can you take care of your business? How can you take care of sets if you can't take care of yourself?
5: Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it is
4: the same skill set. Yeah. For sure. It is the same exact it's skill it, set. It, it, mm-hmm.
3: You know, I say this thing. Um, she come on here preaching, y'all, it's no, Sunday. No, right? no, 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 it's good because it, it's, it it's is like is. You, you have to, I say this thing all the time. If you can win the first half hour of your day, mm-hmm you're great so true right. for and, sure and and, and and the days that I like don't for whatever stupid reason you know like I don't want to get up today or there's something on the phone whatever it is I'm like and then I, I realized by noon I'm like I fucked up today <laughs> I I, I but got.
4: That's okay because they're smart.
3: There right. is. I mean. It, I mean. I'm not disappointed, but I realized yeah. I was like, oh, it didn't matter what I thought I was gonna be able to do today the right way. I didn't start it right, you yeah. know. And it's so it's so clear to think about, you know, how to just start the day. And it could be working out. It could be. It could be meditation. It could be both. It's whatever it is to get your mind. You to get your mind in the right place, you know. To because to, because because the thing that like I got so. Uh, I got so kind of worn out on our show like I would realize like like when I could be creative and effective in the room. There's Certain know? times of the, certain of time the day, day I was like mm-hmm. man you know blah, blah, blah. I mean and and there, there'd be that time of like 3 o'clock I would no, crash No, no. no. <laughs> we start to look at the clock at like 12 o'clock we're like, <laughs> like, and, and we're like where's lunch at? Yeah, where's yeah. Why we <laughs> show the hell up Because we had a whole thing where it was like okay so 1.30 12.30 is lunch and at 2.30 we get the first coffee and then at 5.30 did <laughs> next coffee it was just this whole kind of regimen because it was it was just, it was just it, but but it was and, and, then, and then we got of this thing where we were like who could do 10 stairs a day mm. I had to run the stairs like 10 times a day just like because we were like, we gotta like keep moving and like mm-hmm. we could we could f- you could feel the rain fog like in the oh, whole yeah. room um and it was, and I realized it was like because we're not because we're losing this other thing and it was interesting to get everyone to do that to do the exercise because then like people would kind of like I don't say they would shame the other people but we would say you only got five today man what are you doing but it was it was just like to keep everyone focused you know yeah. and a lot of it is focused because mm-hmm. so much creativity is lost by lack of focus you know if you can't like sit down and spend like like you see about social media like social media is such a weird thing because you'll spend all this time like your phone just going to look at it, and look at it and it's like yeah. that is like disturbing you from getting on that track of like how do you create you know like like the right way you know, um, so yeah. So, but I, th- I think that the
4: other thing that you brought up that like is is super important about social media is is there's a tool to, um, to to tell people how the sausage is made, and I think that one of my my like as a creative who was born a creative and like was making movies when before I could you know before I could like. Go to kindergarten, and who was like always putting on shows and all these things, and who again grew up in the Midwest with like first generation immigrant parents. Like, there are so many things that now, after going through my path, um, which we can discuss, like, I started in advertising and I moved through all these different parts of the industry, going through the path that I've gone through to get to where I am. The one thing that I like think back on is man if someone just told me that that's how the sausage was made, (laughs) like I would have saved myself so much time. And I'm not talking time, like hand someone a pathway Mm -hmm. and this is how you do it. I'm talking about like mental fatigue Mm. of thinking that people came out of the womb looking like Megan Fox, of thinking that people woke up looking like J-Lo on the front of Glamour, Mm -hmm. of thinking that people you know, just became filmmakers and not realizing they were all daughters or, fa- or, or brothers or sisters mm-hmm. of someone, of thinking that auditions were actually based on talent and not just people looking for a certain type of mm-hmm. person, on thinking about like the idea that, you know, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this because I don't have these things. Right. Um, the truth of the matter is, you know, at the end of the day, money buys a lot of people a lot of things. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like half the beauty that you see is fake. No, mm-hmm. all the beauty that you see is fake. Mm-hmm. It is all bought with money, right? Mm-hmm. All the, the the great bodies take great work, you know what I mean? But yep. it's like, a lot of it's access to information. Right. A lot of the careers, you know, take a, my career mm-hmm. took a lot of work, mm-hmm. but half of it was, was just understanding that like, oh, okay, this is a game.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: <clears throat> this Mm -hmm. is not this is not like something that's based on oh they said no to me Mm -hmm. because of my talent Mm -hmm. they said no to me because i'm not good enough they said no to me no 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 no. that's not it it's a mentality Mm -hmm. and so the positivity that you see on my social media Mm -hmm. is because that is the key Mm -hmm. the key to all those doors Mm -hmm. is the mindset of i'm gonna win no matter what Mm -hmm. This is my world to live in. I am the mm. god of my own creation. I'm gonna create whatever I need to do. You can say no to me as many times as mm. you want, but I don't know what my end goal is, I know where I'm going and I'm gonna get there.
1: That's that's Lena Waite. That was her. Yeah. That was her. <laughs> you know, that was her. That was totally her. No, that's was, funny.
3: but I, you know what this is an interesting point you made about jumping careers and about the mind state and like and, and the, the 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 there's a mystique about working in entertainment. That the industry has cultivated it on its, its own.
5: Mm.
3: I think it's done that because when you see how the sauces is made, you're kind of like, "Oh, is this easy?" Oh, mm-hmm. so what is then? Is the game, you know? Because I said he.
4: I actually, I, I disagree with with one part of that statement. It's not that easy.
3: Well, um, okay, the, um, the,
4: like l- let me just say this: like, when my mother sometimes, because she because she has that mentality of like growing up and protectiveness, she's like, "Why are you telling everyone how you're doing everything?"
1: <laughs> my that, husband says, "No, that that's so." The the my brother and my and my, right
4: but but the thing is. What are they going to They can't do that. They
1: can't do it the they, way you they, they do can't it. Do, they, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Those are
4: my relationships. Those are it's my stories. I have worked really You've... damn hard to make sure they are the best stories. And that my relationships are real deep. And you can't take that time and that effort and what yep. I put into it away from me. So it, it is not that easy. And I do understand to some extent why there isn't... Like I worked and I slept on on mattresses and I gave up jobs and I gave up security a gazillion times to get to where I am. I understand why someone doesn't give it to somebody. I heard you say on another mm. podcast that you said like, if you, you no, know, one of the girls you were interviewing said, you know, if you're not, if you want to be an actor, if you want to be a writer, if you want to be a director, and you're not waking up every day and doing that, don't ask me how to be any of those things.
3: <laughs> you, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So, so <clears> let, me, <throat> let me clarify. What I'm saying in terms of like. If you've done the work, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and, and and if you're so primed to do the thing, because like, I, this is an example why, why I say it was easy. It's like I directed a lot of short films, like five or six, and they had you know and some awards, and, and one awards, all this kind of <laughs> stuff like this. And there's this thing, about, and I kept saying to myself, you know, okay. How, how hard is it to direct television how hard is it to do that because, cause, because all the people I know were like oh dude it's hard to get in there and blah blah, blah and all this kind of stuff it just like they were saying all these things these kind of no type of yeah. things you know. and then the minute a good friend of mine gave me a shot to come shadow on his show mm-hmm. and I sat down there and I was like oh this is why this, I'm saying it's easy because I've done all the work already mm-hmm. and I'm like oh so now that I'm here and I'm on the pro set and watching how it's going mm-hmm. it's not as hard as the way they're making it out to be mm-hmm. if you've done the work it's mm-hmm. Difficult is difficult you as hell know. if you don't sure. know, and you haven't done the work, and mm-hmm. you haven't like, and you haven't, and you haven't invested in yourself to understand what it is. I mean, yeah, you can't come out and just get it handed to you, and good thing is easy. I mean, the thing I say all the time is. The misnomer is you see something you th- that you think is easy, or someone makes it look easy, is because right. they've worked so, so hard, hard. Mm-hmm. that it look that it, that's why it's easy for them, and and then you think, well, I can do that too. You, you know, when you're when you're new, because because you haven't done the work yet to know how much time you got to do. I mean, it's like you know, it's like you said the writing, and people always think this: you got to get up and you got to write and you got to like. Right, you you have to do so much of it you have to write so much bad shit it's not even funny how much bad, and and the worst thing about writing is you think it's good when it's really mm-hmm. bad yeah. and, and the yeah. thing is because you don't know any better yet you know you to, and you have to i was i was out I speaking of a
5: date you know
3: um like so like i was out two weeks ago with this woman and we, and she was asking me what I was doing and she, and she was like how do you know when you could do this and I was like well you know I spent all this time writing and all this kind of stuff like this and I was like there was one and I stopped writing screenplays for a while mm. uh, I just got so frustrated and then I was writing short stories and I remember when I wrote this one short story and every time I would revise and get to the end I would begin to cry at the, at the like mm. just in just in the last paragraph was what, what I created and I kept saying to myself I fucking know what's gonna happen because mm-hmm. I wrote it oh, and here's a yes. nice time I'm yes. reading it I'm still tearing up yeah. mm-hmm. and I was like that's what it, that's when it is mm-hmm. is that and I used to say to her and then I read somewhere someone was like if there's no tears in the writer there's no tears in the reader mm-hmm. and I was like fuck yeah and I said I said. and so the minute I knew that mm-hmm. and could feel that moment with whatever I was doing that's when I know that I was like this is when it's good yeah. and until, it's, until that moment is there for me the writing is not there it's not great to be connected it's not connecting enough because it's like the one thing about when you are the one who's who's putting all the pieces together you see all the flaws but if you can still get moved by your own work at that Mm -hmm. point on that way because then you say to yourself i did it i achieved what i wanted because you know that your your Mm -hmm. job as the artist is to move people Mm -hmm. to make them feel an emotion and sometimes you're writing and you're just writing okay this is good but it's like you technically think it might be good
4: so that right there is the purpose of all the social media, right? Mm -hmm. It's not to show them how the sausage is made, it is, you know, this being in entertainment is really, really hard work, and nothing in life comes from free. Right. But let me show you that if you work hard, and you have hope, there is a chance for you to live your dreams.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I have, okay, well, I was gonna say this. I have the same, my husband says it to me all the time. Mm-hmm. Why are you always giving away all this free information, mm-hmm. right? And I said, for example, um, Pamela and I, my producing partner, will have a pitch meeting somewhere. <clears throat> and she'll give them a soft pitch. Mm-hmm. And I'll go, and
5: mm-hmm. this
1: thing. And they're like, ooh, right? Mm-hmm. And when we walk out, she goes, why did you give away that thing? I go, they'll never be able to execute it the way we will. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm never worried about that because we all know we all could write the exact same log log line, and the way we execute the script will be completely different. I'll probably do something more dramatic and horror, or whatever. You'll mm-hmm. go more this way. You'll go this way. You know what I mean? It'll all be yeah. It'll,
5: be it'll still be the it, same. It'll it, be different thing, yeah. but
1: it'll be a completely the genre. The themes will be all different. You know what I mean? Well, so I I'm never well, worry about I, that. I think it was interesting about
3: that. I think we talked this before about when we talk about remakes, but it's like. I think the most fascinating way to kind of demonstrate.
4: I hate remakes Um,
1: <laughs> so do I sort I I hate um,
4: remakes
1: <laughs> Although <laughs> West Side Story was interesting, I it, ain't gonna lie. It, you see it so if you <laughs> haven't seen but it. But West it, Side
4: Story is a. a sorry, let yeah, you finish. But, but
1: so this is the thing I think about,
3: and this it has to do with theater. Theater every time someone is doing some sort of repertory piece Mm -hmm. they're doing a remake Mm -hmm. but every director is interpreting it his way Mm -hmm. and that's why it's like it it doesn't matter what this is here's the same story like everyone is doing a version of Macbeth like a couple years ago there was that Macbeth that had um, uh, Michael Fassbender in it right Mm -hmm. here's the one with Denzel Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. black and white it's done with these weird stages Mm -hmm. and it's, it's more theatrical and it's like Two different versions of the exact same story. And it's like that is where, like you said, if you're mm-hmm. giving it away, no one's going to do the same. You know, The question is, do the money people want to do it with you because they like your take? Sure. Mm. That's what the question sure. is. That's but what you're we, saying about. Do they like you? Do they like your positivity? Because we were saying earlier that one guy who's, who's whining all the time on Twitter, mm-hmm. I'm not going to hire you. <laughs> I don't care how good your work is. It's like the life is too short thing. And if you're whining now, that vibe, Then and you're going to whine you can't at 5 in the morning
2: when they're calling you about mm-hmm. what's what, what were I'm you saying, Jersey, can't have we're it. saying? Well, to, to your point, I agree. I just think like the people who care about you, they always want to protect you. Right. And so they see you going in with that passion. For sure. They don't want, if that passion isn't reciprocated, or if the person on the other side doesn't care the way you do, you know, they don't, they don't want to see you hurt. Um,
4: to be to be sh- like specific,
5: mm-hmm.
4: everything we the, the four of us have just talked about, I believe just my beliefs is that it's a fine line. I do not believe in giving away everything um, or giving all, all free right. information sure, because right, right. I think that you actually handicap people Agreed. by doing that and then they just have more and more questions. I would not be where i am today if i had not have to, had to hustle scrape and learn on my own mm-hmm. and it creates the type of mentality that is needed to survive in this industry it's true so giving you everything will not be it's doing a, it's you it's a any disservice
2: favor. and i was gonna go to 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 you uh adrusha
4: yeah so
2: Drusha you can Tell tell the audience, if you've talked about sacrifices and a lot hard road, um, you also wear a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you can tell the audience your your first start in the business or the early days mm-hmm. and kind of what, what got you going and what you had to do.
4: <laughs> sure. Um, so I actually... I uh, was a kid who grew up on the stage, acting, singing, dancing. We talked when we opened the show a little bit about my background, Me growing too. up across cultures, mm-hmm. and um, my mom. At really early age, I was always really outgoing at home, but I was really shy around people. Um, I think it's because I'm a bit empathic. I'm a really good communicator. Mm-hmm. I can, like, kind of, I could, so it made me a little bit nervous mm-hmm. in social situations. So she put me on stage because she was a dancer growing up. And um, I just took to the stage. And I think a lot of it was because it allowed me to express these other worlds and cultures and things and emotions that I was feeling in a mm-hmm. space where it was safe to do so. Um, and I, broke my knee at 15. I was going to be a musical theater major. I mentioned that. And, um, you know, really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life after that. Mm. So I like to say I Russian roulette my college applications, like literally (laughs) rolled the dice. Um, Film, business, journalism, broadcast journalism, um, acting studios, music. I I applied all of them. Um, And... I ended up, I actually signed to go to broadcast journalism school. I paid my fee and everything. Really? Um, it was either journalism in Northwestern <coughs> broadcast journalism at Hofstra. And then I got offered a full scholarship from this program called the honors plus business school, um, business, the Carl H Lindner honors plus business program out mm-hmm. of um, UC. And it was, it was 25 kids full scholarship and they sent you around the world to learn wow. from P- Procter and Gamble and from all the different companies companies That's that cool. like fostered it. It was supposed to be like Thunderbird for those, of you know, Thunderbird MBA. It was supposed to be like the junior version of that. Um, and they were all valedictorians, salutatorians mm-hmm. who were going to this program. My dad was like, they're gonna pay you to go to college. <laughs> go for one quarter yeah. and if you hate it, I'll help you pay for wherever else you wanna go. But yeah. like, you're not sure what you wanna do. Mm-hmm. And you know, they yeah. have a great conservatory. UC is one of the top conservatories in the world. And he was like, maybe you can figure it out. And I remember having this conversation with myself um, the very first day before I went into school. And I was just like, if you could be like the best student and the best actor, or, like you could act, sorry, on stage as the best student and the and the, you know, the winner of the race and like all mm-hmm. these things. And you could be that person in life. Um and the problem is my freshman year, I acted so well that I was winning by the end of the year. And I was in student body like cabinet, and I was at all the organizations on campus, mm-hmm. and I had gotten the top internship. And um, when you put an 18-year-old or 19-year-old in a space where they're winning like that, it's very hard to jump off a rat wheel. Oh,
5: yeah.
4: um, but I was still like, going to conservatory classes. I would go in the morning to conservatory classes. I never got my full dancing skills back. I was going to ballet and showing up to Econ 101. <laughs> And like <laughs> leg warmers. I was that kid. They were like, oh, what is this kid doing? Because I was convinced I could somehow figure out a way to do like the business of entertainment. Yeah. And years into that program, I just kind of got lost in it. Mm. And I would still sing at any chance I got. I would still act at any chance that I got. Mm. Um, but I was so busy winning. And so I... Uh, subconsciously was like, okay, I'm gonna go storytell for brands because that's the closest <laughs> thing I can get to what I'd wanted to do. Um, and I had gone right after college and I'd studied out of Auckland University. I had a photojournalism certificate um, and a film certificate out of Auckland University. Mm-hmm. I thought I wanted to be a tree hugger. I'd done film <laughs> studies all through high school. So I had like the ability <clears throat> to do a lot of things, mm-hmm. but um, no real f- infrastructure around it. And so when I went to my first intern was at Sachi and Sachi in advertising in New York, mm-hmm. and I worked in strategy for Yoplait mm-hmm. yogurt and General Mills, um, General Mills and Tylenol, and I had this great, great boss who was like he didn't believe in cell phones. He wanted to paint his whole room like black, and he took like three <laughs> hour art lunches, and he really taught me about this idea of just thinking outside the box within mm. a corporate structure. He was someone who was like a top tier executive at Saatchi and everyone else was very corporate. Mm. And he was just kind of like, no, I don't live by those rules. I'm gonna paint my office black. Mm. No, yeah, you told me to do this brief this way, but I'm just gonna do it this way. And he really um, encouraged me mm. to think outside the box so much so that when I came back my next year um, and he was not there anymore, <laughs> I did what you were talking about and said, I was literally eating Eating my way through a day hmm. to stay awake. Right. Because it was just like there was no, there was no all this 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 joy that I had thought was in advertising, this creative, it was all the control was on the brand side. Hmm. And so I put up with these creative briefs and like I'm gonna change Yo Play Yogurt today. <laughs> and like all these ideas. And then I would have the brand tell me. Oh, well, like those were great ideas. And my account manager at that time, oh, those are great ideas, but we're going to do what the brand said. So I was like, what is the point of this advertising gig? I'm like coming up with all these ideas. Mm -hmm. And then the money, Mm -hmm. very key to my story, the money is telling me what i'm gonna do oh and Mm. by the way i'm getting paid a third of the amount to live in new york Mm. when i could have gone to work for the money in the first place Mm -hmm. so what is this thing this creative creative (laughs) thing that i'm doing Mm -hmm. um and so with that frustration I was like, okay, well, I've done New York. I gotta go to LA, and so <laughs> figure out figure out what the other side is. Um, and oh, quick
1: question: mm-hmm. Did you ever try to do any theater or Broadway or anything while you were there?
4: So I I had done an acting showcase, and I had been picked up by um, by a group of managers out here in Los Angeles who had told me uh, there was a whole bunch of them, but I remember. I can't remember Lauren's last name. She's a pretty well-known actress, and, and Peter Klug, who is a pretty well-known manager, and they were like, when you when you come to LA, mm-hmm. give us a call, and we'll see what we can do. But I was like, kind of doing it as a hobby. I was good at it, mm-hmm. but I was doing it like as a hobby, because sure. I had this immigrant mentality now of, you know, you broke your knee when you were 15. Mm-hmm. And and I thought, since I grew up in the Midwest, that being a triple threat was my key to success. And you took out my dancing, I was only like these two things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I thought that is because I always got understudy roles when I was growing up in mm-hmm. in high school. When I look back, um, I realized that we typecast every single one of our plays, yep. and the reason I probably got understudy roles was probably because we never did Aladdin. <laughs> mm. So, um, ah. in ah. retrospect, mm. that was all, I say well, this, I is, say this goes back to what we were <laughs> talking about, like not understanding how the sausage is made, yeah. right? Like, had I known those things, yeah, yeah. maybe I would have gone into it. Mm-hmm. But then again, my path is my path for yep. a reason, and so, we, so I went back to school, because I actually was still in school during this time, even though I was working full time, there was this thing called co oping that they did. Um, and I took all my credit hours in one quarter and I moved out to LA. Like my parents were like, What the hell just happened? I remember <laughs> when I like left and um, when I got to LA, I was working, I had a strategy job, a consulting job that I'd lined up for myself, um, but I went to all those managers, mm. right? And the thing about working at Saatchi is I'd been part of the casting process when I was at Saatchi, mm-hmm. and I'd seen, when we, sometimes we would have, like one of our account managers would just be like, oh, I gotta migrate and like put off the sound and cast actors just based on their looks. Wow. And so I had realized how little talent had mm-hmm. to do during that time, and I had someone who grew up auditioning. Mm-hmm. So I remember just being flabbergasted. Man, holy mm-hmm. shit. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it. pardon me. Holy. Oh, no, no. Not, no, no you can totally touch on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a lady, want I'm a lady, guys. I'm a lady. I had been She's like,
5: a lady. Yeah,
4: Exactly. <laughs> I had been just so, like, so so flabbergasted to realize that like all this all this work I'd been putting into auditioning maybe had not been as big a deal, but it was something because you could you're just getting picked based on what you look like and if you were right for the role. So when I came out, I had a very different mentality. But I was like, okay, I'm going to go see all these managers. So on, on my free time from my job, I was going and I was seeing all these managers, um, and. You know, they were like, "Oh, you're gonna be the Indian Eva Longoria. Like you have this great look." And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna be the Indian Eva Longoria." But then they weren't putting me out for any jobs. So I started on Saturday. I would intern for um, for a company called the Corsa Agency, and I was, I was uh, just helping him cast people Mm -hmm. Um, and hopefully he doesn't kill me when he hears this but I was like oh wait this is not that hard I could just I could just put my like no one's advocating for me I just put myself out for Mm -hmm. these things and so I actually heard someone who did this on one of your podcasts (laughs) I created a fake email and a fake name and Mm -hmm. I pretended I was my own manager Mm -hmm. I started putting myself out for castings and I got on entourage and like a Mm -hmm. bunch of things um and things are kind of starting to go really well for me, <laughs> and then oh
1: God, I got my sag heart. I know, <laughs> I know. Um,
4: and I, I, I got to this this uh, one day. I just couldn't like. Not one day. It was it was something that, um, sequentially built up. But I was having a hard time some days getting out of bed, hmm. and I thought maybe I had depression, um, or something because I had always been the on the go kid like through college Mm -hmm. and I was like homecoming queen, all these things. I've been go, 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 go. And like me not being able to Mm self-motivate was a very weird experience for Mm me. Um, And I've always been very holistic. As you know, I'm a health freak. I've always been very holistic. So I was like trying to figure out what was going on. And um, I borrowed an Adderall from someone. I'd never taken Ooh. a a like. A hold you. on,
1: hold on. I'm telling. <laughs> I, <laughs> borrowed an, <laughs>
4: I borrowed an Adderall from someone trying to finish a paper that I needed to fi- pa- finish. Uh, to, uh, Adderall
2: is not a starter. No,
4: but to finish a paper. But this is what people mm. had call, had done all through college. I never touched them. Mm. Um, to finish a paper that I had to finish to go back and walk in graduation a year after I had left, mm. and I thought I was fixed. Which, by the way, everyone who's ever taken Adderall thinks they're magically fixed, Mm. right? Because it's this thing. I have
3: to disagree. Why, why, why? Because I've taken it and,
4: like, (laughs)
1: don't feel any effects. It didn't do nothing to
4: you? Interesting.
1: Wow. Nope. Interesting. Twice. You give me a Tylenol, I'm like, what Mm. the fuck? I was like,
3: like, like, full disclosure, this was 12 years ago and I was not in a good place, uh, everything like that, but... I mean, I, w- I took the pills a couple times, mm-hmm. nothing. Um, crushed it up and snorted it a couple times, oh nothing. I was wow. like, Dad. I was like, we're well, we, we
4: learning good. all kinds of things today. Yeah, because it was like mine was much more PG. <laughs> yeah, because
3: there was this time where I was trying to go down to San Diego, and I was and I was and I was like, God, I'm gonna be fucking, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die in the road. I'm gonna die mm-hmm. in the road. And my girlfriend was like, just take one of these, and I was like, yeah, but I mean, you know, I've, these don't hurt. She's like, just smash it up, and I was like, all right, all right. And then I'm gonna She knew, yeah. Oh, she was bad bad news <laughs> I heard the story I'm, I'm not saying the women are bad news she was bad news um, and I was like I must like drive on the road and I was like god damn it, I'm getting tired but that drug's gonna kick in that drug's gonna kick in I was like god damn I'm getting really tired My hours are and I was like you know I gotta stop let me get like a Red Bull cause that will keep me ape. and then I, right. I was like you know, I'm never doing this again because it doesn't help me but people who does people who does have, it's all brain chemistry right people who does help mm-hmm. they love it
4: Yeah, listen, I'm not a medical professional, but um, I do have a a wild story because I did then get misdiagnosed with ADD, and I did take Adderall for, I think, like a year and a half to two years. Mm -hmm. Um, I went back to Ohio, and I got, because I'm so holistic, even though they had been like, yeah, sure, you have ADD. I was like, no, I want to do a comprehensive test, and I'd taken a comprehensive test at a center in Ohio. And I remember they said, there's this weird thing with your working memory, but you you definitely have ADD, go back to LA, call us, we'll uh, monitor your dosages, whatever. Um, and the problem was that they would continue increasing my dosage and I would continue to crash. Huh. And so I still had days that so I couldn't get out of bed. And I was starting to, it, my mom was like, it's changing your personality. It was starting to affect me wow. and affect my, my functions, uh, my bodily functions, et I can't cetera. I can picture
1: you like that, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I was getting
4: OCD <laughs> mm-hmm. and all kinds of things that Adderall has as side mm-hmm. effects um, and it wasn't fixing whatever the problem was. Mm-hmm. And because I grew up with a lot of um, Eastern medicine, I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, there's gotta be like an organic Mm -hmm. way to fix this. And so I went raw and I went vegan and I was doing hot yoga like five times a day just trying to fix this thing and couldn't get it under control. And then I ran into um, the universe or God or whatever sent this person on my path. I was Mm -hmm. at a party in the hills and he was this like quintessential, like. Um, know-it-all type LA <laughs> swanky kid, and he was sitting on the couch, and he was like, you're on Adderall, aren't you? And wow. I was such a goody-goody-two-shoes. Like, I'm talking, I didn't drink till I was 21. Mm-hmm. Like, I never did a drug all through college. Mm-hmm. Like, never even touched, like, none of the things, right? And so, um, he was like you're he, and I was like no I'm not and he was like yeah you're tweaking out. He was like if you Ooh, ever well. need any, here's my number. He's trying to get my number, guys. Uh. Here's my number. <laughs> give me give me a call, <clears throat> but I got to tell you my parents took me to this place called the Drake Institute. Best thing I ever did in my life. They took me off the meds. Mm. And so the very next day I went to this place called the Drake Institute that's here in LA to get taken off the meds. Mm. That's what I thought I was going for. Yeah. When they do their diagnosis, they do an actual brain map of your brain. And when he did the map of my brain, he said, You have minute amounts of ADD, but so does everyone. ADD is an abnormality in your central cortex. We don't really know what it is, it's like your appendix. We don't mm-hmm. really know what it's for. Mm-hmm. He was like, But if you look at your brain map, a human brain, no matter what percentage functionality it is at, it should be the same, continuous. If you got 30%, you got 30%, every single hemisphere. Oh, if you got an 80%, 80%. He's like, You test in your upper 3% IQ of someone your ethnicity and mm-hmm. age, you have a 90 97% functionality in your brain in every place with this working memory. Hmm. And it is functioning at 85%. And that means that you had to either hurt yourself when you were a kid or have a ear infection. It's called an auditory processing disorder. Yeah. Did they ever tell you you were bad at phonetics? And they had told me I was bad at phonetics, but I had moved from Seattle to Cincinnati school system. And I tested so well in everything else that they thought it was just because the school oh. systems were behind. Okay. Um, and so he would put a pair of earphones on me and he slows down the sound of words and he plays them back to me and I, lo and behold, was missing full consonants really? when things were slowed down. Now the way that you compensate for an auditory processing disorder, which is a learning disability, mm-hmm. is that you have to be hyper focused or stressed out and then you don't miss these things. So mm. I had constructed an entire life for myself where I was always hyper focused or stressed out. Wow. Go, 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 so that I would be able to deal with this. And I had created this dialogue i do not learn from lectures i cannot learn unless it's hands-on learning Mm, so you gotta see i can learn from music okay i can learn from but like so i figured out ways around it Mm -hmm. the truth of the matter was i couldn't learn from lectures and i graduated cum laude top of my college (laughs) a year early Mm -hmm. and i had If we, when we look back at my life now, I realize it was very present, you know? Mm. Um, One of the things when you have any type of uh, learning disability or disorder with the brain functionality is you create control mechanisms around Mm -hmm. your life. Mm -hmm. And so prior to this diagnosis that I had, now, it drives my system nuts. You, 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 Hillard tells me, come here for the podcast. I'm like, Hillary, what's the address? Uh, maybe I haven't looked up what the podcast is. Maybe I haven't found out what the dress code is. That's actually not a good example. I actually am very good yeah, at, at getting, uh-huh. I know I'm very good at getting ready for podcasts. Let me give you a better example. She was like, there's this party like on Friday, yeah, my, my friend Tony's throwing this party. I'm I'm definitely going. Oh, who else is gonna be there? I don't know. Mm. What what time we gotta be there? I don't know. Do you wanna come? <laughs> what what kind of party is it? <laughs> I don't know. Because I like don't have these control things at all anymore. I love yeah. the manifestation of the universe and like what it brings to me. <laughs> um I have people I trust. I'm not just gonna mm. jump into a sure, car sure. with someone, but if someone I trust is telling me come here, I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna go because that's my adventure for right. that day. Right. Um but back then, you know, when I was younger, it was around, like, I needed to shower every night. I always had some control mechanism. It changed as I grew older. I hope you still
1: do that one. I don't know. No, no.
4: but, like, I couldn't <laughs> sleep unless I... I can't it.
1: sleep unless I take like, a shower. Like, I had
4: this weird yeah. thing, though. Like, I couldn't go on sleepovers for, for like, until oh. I was, like, a a like a, like a middle schooler because Barely. I, like, was weirded out that I might not be able to shower. Like, it was bad. <laughs> um, and then later on, I had to that's be the funny. planner in the family. I had to plan Thanksgiving. I had to plan the oh, vacation. too much work I had to plan but like,
1: y'all need to eat, not eat then if I, yeah. if I, if I got to plan Thanksgiving. So, you, need, you need to see her Instagram. It's a cute little thing y'all did for Thanksgiving. Oh my God, that we have cute. the best Thanksgivings.
4: We're the best. Um, <laughs> my family loves is just very loving and I'm very blessed in that way. She and
1: they're cooking like she can cook or something.
4: But we, so <laughs> I had these control mechanisms <clears throat> to deal with it and um, every time my grades had dropped or I had an issue with learning my parents had found a way to teach me. They Because again, we had created this dialogue. Yeah. So anyway, he tells me this and he says, we can fix it, but you got to quit your job you got to come in here eight hours a day because wow. usually we do these treatments on kids and since you're adult like it, you can't do not you cannot drink you can i didn't do any drugs but you mm. cannot drink you cannot do anything outside mm. of this i need you here and committed for the whole year like a you can't year. take vacations because it is like working your weakest muscle in the gym oh. we are working <laughs> the weakest muscle in your brain mm. and because your brain is so much more Um, it it doesn't like have great muscle memory. You have to completely continue compounding it. Mm -hmm. And Mm so uh, I quit my job the next week. I flew my mom out to listen to it and I started treatment and it was supposed to take a year and a half and I completed it in six months. Mm. Um, But it's incredibly important to tell that part of my story because Mm. my first, my first like on the ground, I can't get back off, is when I break my knee, right, mm-hmm. when I'm 15. And I learn how to be tough during this, I learn what resilience is, I learn the importance of hard work mm-hmm. and the fact that someone can tell you, you might not be able to do something, but you can figure it, you can, you can get there with hard work. Mm-hmm. And then at 20, 25, when this happened to me, I'm still 25, at 25.
1: We know you're a vampire, <laughs> girl, you're a vampire. At
4: 25, <laughs> when this happened to me, <clears throat> um, I had been on, a, on this, roller coaster ride to success. Mm. I had left school early, I was going, I was going, and I grew up in the Midwest. And in the Midwest, when you grow up, you get 26, you got you got family, kids. you got kids, yeah. you got the white picket fence, you're the CEO yeah. of some company if you graduated my program. And now the girl who was ahead had to stop for a year. Mm. And the reason that's so important is because it created a disassociation with me. I had to survive with the idea of, oh my God, you're going to jump off this track because I was so like, I was so trained that this is what I had to do to be successful, to be yeah. viewed as successful. Mm-hmm. But now I had to throw away all those beliefs mm. and I had to redefine what success was for me for what it actually was for me. Did yeah. I like what I was doing? What was I doing? What would happen if I was no longer on this track to success and I had to start all over again? Mm-hmm.
3: See, that? See that's, that's so important, I think, for people to hear because... <clears throat> you had a vision for your success that was probably defined outside of you. By other people. And that is where people make the mistake, particularly in this industry, about what they think of success. You know, like I like there's always this, I remember I was meeting with this, this management company the other day, let's say before, and the guy was like, um, so who's your career gonna be like? Hmm. I was like, it's gonna be like my career.
5: Yeah. You know?
3: right. and he's gonna be like "Well, oh, no no I mean like tell me who you emulate I was like I ain't trying to emulate no one mm. I don't want to emulate anyone because that means that there's a there's a preset bar of, mm-hmm. of how I gotta perform and if I miss those things then you know I'll either be beating myself up you know, or you will get disappointed because you're mm-hmm. like, oh, he didn't get that movie. It didn't make a million dollars. What's wrong with you? It made 95, it didn't make, you know, you're yeah. like, well, what are you hoping to do? That's you know? funny
1: because you, you remember, Tracy, I used to say I wanted to be the black J.J. J. Abrams, mm-hmm. right? Now, I just say, I want to be, you know, J.J. J. Abrams, in general, whatever it is, right? And so that I totally relate to because once I did that, I took the pressure off myself. Like I wasn't trying to follow that path or whatever. Now, the only reason I say that is, I love his career in the sense that he's able to do movies and TV whenever he wants to, or Ryan Murphy, whatever he wants. I want to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't want to be like, oh, he's a TV guy. He's a film guy. No bitch, mm-hmm. I do it all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So go okay, ahead, finish the it. The
4: thing, the thing about like about uh, definitions that we give ourselves. I am an executive producer. I am a producer. I am a writer. I am an actor. I mm-hmm. am a singer. I am a dancer. I am an immigrant, I am the mm-hmm. daughter of, I am, is that they actually then, if you believe in the idea of manifestation that we create our own realities, by speaking those into existence, you've also pigeonholed yourself into that reality. Mm-hmm. And I want to live in an existence where I can be the artist, mm-hmm. right? And right. so if tomorrow I decide I want to be whatever,
1: if you want the to first pivot? <laughs> person that
4: has to give <clears throat> myself permission to do that <clears> throat> is throat> me. Right. yeah. And so I'm very careful about how I define myself mm-hmm. because my pages are not done being written. Mm-hmm. And I will not, mm-hmm. once again, fall into the box that I once was, okay. where I was stuck defining myself. And coming yeah. from brand, especially, you know, you are taught to mm-hmm. define yourself.
5: Yeah. Right. But it
4: holds people back for lifetimes. Yeah. It holds you people back for lifetimes. You have to be for careful.
2: For sure. So, don't. a first win in, or victory for you. Like yeah. in the business. So
4: so so after um my ill uh, after my ill after my illness was I went back to Ohio and um and I worked in strategy again and I uh, I was would love to tell you that I knew exactly what I was doing at this point, but we <laughs> call this part the walkabout because no. when you were so sure what you were doing and then you would just start <laughs> all over again. Um, but the interesting thing about my walkabout is that I always would take one step back towards entertainment. It Mm. was like it couldn't Mm. leave me. I mean, I was doing strategy for a bar restaurant, nightclub in Ohio, and then I was like, oh, but I could create content to help put people's butts in the seats. And then mm-hmm. I, before I knew it, I was making a cooking show and I was hosting it. And mm-hmm. um, then Fox local saw the cooking show and like, oh, you're a producer, you could come. Everyone in town knows you. Why don't you come and host all our entertainment segments? And before mm-hmm. I knew it, I was like doing their radio segments and their on-air live segments and like all these things. So it was like, it almost was like it couldn't let go of me. Mm-hmm. And so I had a guy named Rick Shermer who ran a company that was at the intersection of brand and um, and content and film and television. And he, it was called Partners Hub and he came to Cincinnati and he saw kind of all the stuff I was doing and he was like, but what do you wanna be doing? Like mm. you're doing all these things and um, I knew that Rick could possibly give me a job, so I said something safe. I said, I want to be the ideas person. (laughs) And he said, I have no idea what that means, but when you're ready, come back out to LA, I'll give you a job. (laughs) And he was an um, ex-employee of Disney, and he had created this company, and they did service Walmart and Chick-fil-A, but also Mark Burnett's, uh, all of Mark Burnett's productions, (laughs) and they had done this massive campaign for The Grudge, and the Bible series, Mm -hmm. and all these very um, viral campaigns back then. Instagram Mm -hmm. wasn't as big a thing yet, so they were using these concentrated Groups of uh, bloggers, mommy bloggers, horror bloggers, etc., to push out the word about both content and brands. And so mm-hmm. I started working with his company back in LA. And um, when I ended up parting when I ended up parting ways with them, they actually closed down and moved back to Colorado with their parent company. I um, wanted to be a development producer, mm-hmm. and with all the the gumption and the greenness in the world of someone who has gone through the things that I've gone through, so believes anything is possible. Mm-hmm. I went into the two people I knew well enough to ask. Jobs like I want to be a development producer, and I was told two kind of um sad stories. (laughs) Number number one, like we can't pay you, but bring us all the content you can find, all the capital you can find. And two, the second, the second one, um, who was a buddy of mine who went to Yale and was like from a very different pedigree, he was like, Oh, hon, you should have. You should have started uh, in a mail room 10 years ago. You can't become a development producer. And I was like, oh, man, this is just the wrong thing to say to someone like me. Oh boy. And I remember standing outside and waiting for my taxi back then, um, after I left the party that he was having, and I was like, okay, you can figure this out. Like, what is your way in? There's got to be a niche, there's got to be something that is your way in. Mm-hmm. And what I'd realized the entire time to bring the story full circle, working in strategy and storytelling in other industries, was that the money was always in control of the of the creative. Mm. And so I had a full business degree and I hated finance, but if I needed to go learn the economics and the business side of our industry to be able to create with freedom, then I would do it. Mm. And so I went back to the first company and I said, hey, I, I'll do this with you, but I want to go work for your money. And I want to understand what that side is. And those first years, I would just scribble every single thing that anyone said, because here's the thing, like everybody in our industry, they like, especially on the financing side, they all have these different models mm-hmm. and none of them seem to pair up, right? Mm-hmm. And you realize really quickly when you're writing down notes on what everything is saying, that half the people have no idea what the hell they are saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But it took, you know, to time. On
3: some like money, Carlo that. Like, yeah, like, what do you mean? It took
4: time, it took time. And you know, I worked with all the right people and all the wrong people in the industry and it was one of those. Um, and I spent many, many years helping support other people's slates um, and not making money mm-hmm. on any of it and not getting credit on any of it. And a lot of deals that we tried to put forward that didn't go through and mm-hmm. spending like years work, not years, but months working on them and then having nothing Come oh, of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I got blessed with getting to spend some time with Randy Jackson, American Idol, Randy oh, yeah. Jackson, and work on his TV. and Learn about like how to integrate branding properly into stuff. Um, I got blessed to work with you know some big companies that mm. I actually loved working with. So it wasn't it wasn't all bad. Um, who were amazing human beings to me. The latest of which were Brenda and Aaron Gilbert, who mm. were awesome human beings to me. Um, but prior to working with them, actually, I had um, my first big. to answer your question, I had been, it actually comes in my lap. So my entire journey, in my opinion, is, is me losing my fear. Mm. Right. And so we talk about this arc in life. And I think that true success comes when you lose all fear. Mm. And so if my knee was losing fear around, you know, persistence and pain and if if the auditory processing disorder was about losing the idea of like having to start over mm. and build again. then this last piece was around money. Mm. Um, because I had always had a second job since I moved out to LA Mm. because I never, because this was a risky proposition Mm -hmm. that I was going into, you know, film and TV. And so I'd always been consulting here or writing for a magazine Mm. there or like whatever this was. And, um, I got in a really bad car wreck. I was DD, I was driving someone home and, um... A guy fell asleep at the wheel, oh and God. he flew into the back of my car, flipped us down the highway. Oh my God. Um, it caught on. It caught on fire. It was upside down. I got pulled out of the car. Wow. Jaws, of li- jaws of life, jaws mm-hmm. of death. What the whole thing? And um, and I had a tear between my second and third vertebrae, and I could no longer drive out to Westlake, where my where my current gig was. Mm. Um, I did get another car, but I had real bad PTSD, like I'm driving sure, that man. car. Mm-hmm. Um, and and i had uninsured uninsured motor insurance meaning mm-hmm. if the other car driver isn't insured they cut co- your insurance is supposed to cover that right. that that whatever happens mm-hmm. the guy was not insured oh my god! guess what guys it's not that easy to use really? that uninsured motors use yeah. so my own Insurance was su- was was in court with me contesting wow. my own medical bills and so everything that I had made to this point went back into just taking care of wow. myself and so now <laughs> I was going to have to start all over again and I right away went and I got a secondary thing like I'm going to mm. consult for this and and we were trying to put together this like company where I'd do some private equity deal or I'd help them bring money to some of their deals and then mm-hmm. I would do my film and TV and we we did a first a first deal and we lost everything Mm -hmm. And I... My roommate fell in love, and she was moving in with her boyfriend, and so I got displaced by, from my house, <laughs> and I was sleeping on a friend's couch looking for apartments, wow. and I was like, oh my God. So I
1: love these stories. <laughs> i like,
4: oh my God, mm-hmm. I've been doing this for years now, and I have completely failed. I've lost all mm-hmm. my money. I've lost, I ha- don't have a single credit to my name. Mm-hmm. I like have worked with all these great people, but like, what do I have to show from mm-hmm. it? And so I went to see a, I went to see a, a house in the hills. It was it was advertised, and I thought it was like an um, its own single unit. But when I got there, it had been misadvertised. It was actually a room in a mansion, wow. um, and there were a bunch of kids who had just graduated Pepperdine who were living in this mansion.
3: <laughs> oh boy. And so
4: I'm walking around being polite because you know, I'm walking around being polite and like looking at this ma- massive mansion and these 18 year old kids, and I'm just like. What am I doing wrong with my life? Mm. And I asked him like, how, like so, how much are you like? What are you guys doing? What do you do for a living? They all started the Amazon dropship stores prior to graduating college, and he mm. was like, Oh yeah, I make like ten grand a week, and like <laughs> da da da. Mm. And I was like on Amazon, and he was like, Yeah, on Amazon, and uh, just going on and on. So I obviously knew about Amazon, Amazon dropship, and all these things. Yeah, that you're always friends. ahead of the tech stuff. I had you friends who know, yeah. had done it, and um, when I left. I just went into, as many creatives do, into this tunnel
5: mm.
4: where I was like, I know that I am smarter than these kids and that I am a harder worker. Mm. How the hell are they making so much more money than me right out of college? <laughs> and so I went home and I called all my friends in Dropship and mm. I studied every single video about Amazon Dropship. For an entire week, hmm. like the obsessive creative I am, right. and after that week was done, like I didn't sleep, like I, that's hmm. all I did. Hmm. And after that week was done, I knew with one hundred percent certainty that if all else failed, I could take one thousand dollars, move home to Ohio, hmm. and be a millionaire by the end really? of the year. Really?
1: Well, well, and with my ten
5: percent?
4: And and with <laughs> that, like that, like but it was that security of understanding. Mm-hmm. That, like, I could be a millionaire at any point, and I could go make whatever film I wanted, that unlocked my final fear around Mm. making money as a creative because I grew up in a very old system where you go to college and then you get the you get the Mm -hmm. job and then you work your way up in the job and I had gotten rid of some of that fear around my auditory processing issue had happened but I'd still taken a road less traveled Mm -hmm. and I was out here on my own and guess what I'd slept on mattresses twice because I had like lost a job and moved on to other things and like it was not an easy road and so I still had this fear that I was actually going to be financially successful doing what I was mm. doing, that, that that could exist. Mm. And so I literally gave myself three months. I was like, I'm gonna use all the money left in my bank account. Mm. And if I, I'm not gonna do anything else but film. And if I do not get to where I want to be with a job by the time and with, a, with, a, with film, by the time I'm done with those three months, I'm going to move back to Ohio I'm gonna start an Amazon mm. dropship, and I mm. will come back in a year. Wow! And by the end of month two, I was in a totally different universe, mm. and I had my first my first like slate of films done. I had made very good money. I was good to go, and I've never looked back since. Wow! I love well, it. See, this interesting. It. <laughs>
3: Some, I think I think you know, the 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 mind state of. I'm sorry, the fear headlock
5: mm-hmm.
3: of can I make money as a creative
5: mm-hmm.
3: is so ingrained in our culture. Mm-hmm. The starving artist man thing is and it's not just, I mean, the starving artist thing, like, you know, like it, it probably goes back to the Renaissance, right?
5: Mm-hmm.
3: And I think that everyone rolls with that fear, mm-hmm. you know, how do I do my work? Which is gonna satisfy my soul and then make the money. And you feel you feel that you can't mesh those
5: things. Mm-hmm.
3: And the minute as you can mesh those things or not or you know, or take the headlock off, it, it it so gives you a freedom on what you want to create. Because what happens a lot of times is you get stuck in a position of like, I gotta find the project that everyone's gonna like and make me a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And that's the wrong place to be. If you're
4: chasing the money, it will never yeah, happen.
3: You, yeah, because you ch- you're chasing the money and you're trying to like satisfy what you think other people are going to like. And you think everyone likes these horror movies. Everyone likes these action movies. I, and it's like, you know what? I don't need to do that. I, I, I need to do what I find fascinating. Because I think that enough people should know by now. Almost anything that you want to do as a story... Someone's done a version of it. Oh, yeah. Or they've done something that is so outside the box that whatever you want to do is not outside of the box. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's just in that far corner of the box. <laughs> and it's like so. So I, that's the thing that you have to really. Um, I, 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 it's interesting. It's like you talk with these guys about the, the Amazon thing is just the exposure. But what is available to do. I mean, last night I was at this play reading mm-hmm. and this one wrote this it was called Perverts and it was this really, really crazy play <laughs> and it was this interesting idea that I'd always been fascinated with. It was about uh, thrill killers, you mm-hmm. know, it's this true story about, about those still killers, right? But it was serial killers that had that had gotten their gotten gotten the woman in their life involved in the killing. You know?
4: That sounds great. See because No, no,
3: no, because think (laughs) about it, right? Think about it, right? It's always interesting to me. it's it's like there's you hear about the serial killers to do like they're they're usually white men. Right. But every once in a while you find out, oh, it's a man and a woman who've done who've done these killings. Yeah. And I always say to myself, what does that woman say when she sees the first killing? Mm. You know, I've always been fascinated by that. And this woman did this. Play on this thing. It was three stories, and they all kind of interacted. I was really interested, and we were talking. and, she, and Her first question was, "Are people gonna want to see this play? Is it too? It's you I mean, it's it's shocking in a degree, you know." And I said, "Well, you know, like people like shocking stuff. Like look at this love of of um <coughs> true crime podcast, you know." Mm-hmm. And I mentioned to her, I said, "Look, there's a movie that I saw called Irreversible." Mm-hmm and i only saw it because i heard people were fainting in the screening oh you told and me i that. was like i know what's fainting in a movie mm. that's, that's, that's a lie it's just a lie um but i went to saw the movie and i was like oh yeah people were fainting <laughs> people were fainting. i know they were i know they were do you remember where you fainted <laughs> well i didn't faint i looked away a lot in that movie really? but I but but, but 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 I but but I, but I mentioned it to her. I "You've seen this movie?" She's like, "No, I haven't seen. it I haven't seen it." I was like, "That's the thing. You've got to realize that someone has done something that you want to do. It might not be exactly what do, but they've been they've been they've walked they've walked the tightrope on something and they've made it work." And it got money behind it, and it got out, and now, uh, people have seen it. So it's, it's 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 a great thing that you're saying about the mentality. It's belief of the belief, the mm-hmm. fear that that holds you back about wanting to do something new and original, because you will only break through the noise if you do something new and original, because because everyone's like, oh shit, that's you. That's like not what what, what I... We right. were saying earlier, I was like, oh, you come up with an idea and if you go into like a studio and pitch it, you know, TV show, if you don't make them realize why it should be you, then they'll say, I got all these people who are on these overall deals. Why should I, you know, like bring you in? Unless you can say, no one can do it like this except for me. And that's part of like escaping the fear of mm. I can make you money. I can make myself money by doing this idea. But that's like a hard fear to break out of, you
4: know? It's a hard fear and, and, and I want to be clear, like it's also... I feel like I say I want to be clear a lot. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's good all, to be clear. It's That's a very thing. clear. It, it, it's also—it's um, not like you get over fear and then it's gone.
5: That's right.
4: It's a consistent battle. For, this was a turning point for me, <clears throat> but I fight my fear <laughs> against every day, Probably every, every day. single day. Yeah. Like my our our my newest company. I invested all the money I made back into my own company. Right. I was Is that, ab- is that
1: curiosity? Yeah, mm-hmm. I
4: was able to do that because I didn't have the fear that some people do that, oh, I should go get a job, I should go do this, I should right. do that. But on a daily basis, it's a conversation with myself and I see so many of my friends who still have this piece of security that they're holding on. Letting us go of security is never easy, right? Mm-hmm. We've been taught that we have to build the security to then do the thing we love. But I will say that like living a life of passion and of of freedom that also has ability to bring you financial success is such a better life to live Mm -hmm. than a life where you constantly feel like you are being split into two people, Mm -hmm. because you will never be able to give your creative self its full justice while you're split into two people. And I'm not telling everyone out there to go quit your jobs and your day Mm -hmm. jobs and like get whatever. I'm saying get your brain to the point where you could walk away from that job, Mm -hmm. where you're okay with doing whatever it takes to have this life that you want, because it is that mentality, right? I'm an all-in type person, mm-hmm. so for me, it took jumping. Mm-hmm. But it is the mentality of, oh, you were rude to me today. I don't mind quitting this job. Right. You know, right. oh, you can't play
3: Texas Hold'em with her. <laughs> no.
5: You're
2: all right. in, and it's like, hold right. it. on. No. So, I, this is this is all great stuff. You had you gave yourself that three months.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And within the first two months,
4: I told you my Things story started as long. going. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> but we
2: we're 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 big on the how for sure. So when things started to take off,
5: mm-hmm.
2: was that a person or people you knew? Was someone who you had to find? Did they find you? Just talk about that process. No, know, when it took when off, it finally. was because
4: I was ready. I I, I had gone and I continued to go and and I'd studied the, um, you were just talking about the idea of having an original idea and walking into a room with the original idea. Um, But the truth about being a powerful creative is you also have to understand the business. And so for me, I I was at that moment ready in terms of, I had turned every stone over in Hollywood. I knew exactly what I was doing. It was literally just about me losing my fear of doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, for success in that space. But then this last, uh, the years that followed that have been about then journeying back to what my whole goal was. I did not go into the business side to be in the business side. I went into the business side to be a creative and to create with freedom. And so then I needed to journey back to being a creative. And the thing about journeying back to being a creative, it's a different muscle. And as we, all the people here at the table are both business and creative, you know like, I had lived now in the business world for so long to survive Mm -hmm. as a creative that the confidence that you have, the things that you've built up, you lose some of that, and then you gotta push yourself back mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. this creative world to make sure that you're okay and you can could, you could do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, to answer your questions, we, I was, whenever I walk in a room, I know what I'm doing in that room and I have asked the questions and I'm not afraid to ask the questions and I'm mm-hmm. always adding value. So uh, the one of the key lessons I have teach even our interns is like when you are in a room, ha- have you asked yourself how you're adding value to this room? Because mm-hmm. if you're not adding value in the entertainment industry, you're not in that room anymore. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so in every step of my career from the beginning, it was always how am I adding value and to consistently add value to that room? And then this last phase or this last like phase of my <coughs> of my process or evolution has been now going back to creative and I'm proving myself as a creative to myself, Mm. not to anybody else, but to myself, that um, I'm still that person Mm. who was able to write, who was able to create, who was able to create worlds Mm -hmm. and do it successfully. Um, And the benefit that I have that not a lot of, or creatives have chosen the path of, but is accessible and I encourage all creatives to take, and I did on Clubhouse for Mm -hmm. ages, is that I understand the business. So when I go to write a story, when I go to create a world, Mm -hmm. when Leif and I are working on a project, when someone pitches to me and I really like something, when I read a book that I really like, I'm able to see the entire business map and then work backwards into how to make this a piece of creative successful creative to industry standards Mm -hmm. meaning that they will pick it up right right? because the truth is that in knowledge there is creative freedom Mm -hmm. and so understanding the economics of our business means that i can create with freedom (laughs) and that by the way is all my five-year-old (laughs) self-wanted i wanted to live in a world where i could create with freedom it was so Frustrating to me as a little kid there were all these rules around dance around music around writing And then you had to do something else to make sure that you had the you to, to practice or to get permission to do this You needed to also finish your studies mm-hmm. and do this. It's like why are there so many rules? I just want to go in a box and create can I just mm-hmm. do that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that five-year-old went on a journey and now mm-hmm. I get to do that, but I get to do that People hear that and it like sounds great and beautiful. I get to do that because of the knowledge I have, not because someone granted me some boon, not because someone sprinkled fairy mm-hmm. dust or mm-hmm. gave me a million dollars or like all these things. It's because I understand how t- that project could possibly get made, who the networks are, who the players are, who the distributors are, mm-hmm. who the who the producers are. Who and so I understand how when you say, "Could you make a story about this banana bread?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, hmm okay so what angle can we have on banana bread what in what in the marketplace is right now about banana bread who would the audience be for banana bread who would really be into backing banana bread like my brain just works in a totally different way ironically that is creative freedom Right, because I can tell the story about the banana bread. Other people might not be able to because mm-hmm. they're like, damn, it's banana bread. It's not that damn interesting. I'm <laughs> like, I can find a way to make banana <laughs> bread interesting. <laughs> well,
3: this, 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 see, there's two things you said I wanna comment on I think is fantastic for people in terms of like business. It's like, I, in thinking of a television property to write, whatever, develop, whatever it is, I'm always thinking, where's this gonna live? You know, you okay. gotta think that. You have to really think where's gonna live and it's gotta mm-hmm. be more than one outlet because you gotta you know, it's, it's too hard just to go, I I, I gotta thread this perfect needle. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's part of the, like it's part of the, the process I do to vet ideas that I wanna I wanna spend time on. Because I can come with a really cool idea and go, I don't know who's going to do this. Mm. It could be really cool and fun for me to do as an abject creative. Right. I mean, an abstract creative, but it's like, who do I want to do this story for? Like, why, like, what is it? Like, like, because it's so, it, it's, it, because it, it gives you the freedom to say where, what, what can I do with this? Should I be doing this? So it's been the time because if you're really a creative person, then that one idea is not the only idea that you have. And sure. you have other things that you can get excited about. Um, you know, and then also just like it doesn't have to live <laughs> as a movie or T V show. I mean right now I have an idea that I've been wanting to do for a long time and I just realized I was like, I could just do this as a comic book. I think it works as like forces as a comic book and it's fine because it's, it's,
1: it's. But see, it's, that's important. Kind of what you were talking about, knowing where you, the best place just, is. Just knowing
3: where it is because right. it's. It's and 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 then you know it's like, well, how does it work? And they come against and do the research, and obviously it's a bit complicated, so I know all that. But it's not like so that's part of my vetting process, mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of people need to think about. I mean, and and I think I mean even right now, like with this project we're developing, we're getting ready to go out with it. We're just we were talking with the preachers yesterday, and we were like, who needs to see this? Mm-hmm. You know, who are the people that we can go to. Who like brings value? You know what is the 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 there's like a um uh uh the, the you know there's a the component of like well if we go here mm-hmm. well then we get locked into this person's deal so let's not go to them right. let's go to this person because it gives them there's there's there's, there's all these kind of things that you have to be thinking about on the business side right. that should help you decide what you want to do because sure. the worst thing would be if you got so passionate about a project and were are like only two places would do this. You know, because they might say no yeah. and then you like so invested and it's like, ah, I did the wrong thing. Second thing you said about you got to always like add value to the room. Mm-hmm. I think that, I've, we've heard this a lot mm-hmm. about like staff writers are told you don't need to speak that much in the mm-hmm. room, but it's like, Horrible. no, 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 no. You got to be able to add value. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be there if you can't, you know, I mean, you, like, like if you earn the spot to be, you know, in a TV, you know, like room or a writer's room, Gotta contribute. Mm-hmm. You just you just have to and it's just the smart thing is figuring out like when you can. Like, hey, there's a low right now. This yeah. way I can talk.
4: I think the second part of that though is also taking ego out, right?
5: Mm-hmm. So Oh I for think, sure. For I th- sure. Th-
4: I think that like one of my great like greatest tools has been that like I never walked into a room with ego. Mm-hmm. I think that it always surprised people that I was wasn't afraid to ask. Wasn't afraid to ask, like, but why? Why are you doing it that way? But how are you doing it that way? Um, and I think a lot of uh, business, of the business side, especially of, of film and TV, there's a lot of people who, you know, they learn it one way, whether it's that they came up through agency mm-hmm. or studio or whatever, and then they're like, this is the way the sausage is yep. made, and they they I don't want to, they don't want to ask any questions. Mm-hmm. So that's one component of ego, but also like ego. In and around creative, right? So I sold my first two treatments, or not sold. I had option my first two treatments over the pandemic that I wrote one to CJ, to Mark Shaw, and one to Crypt TV. Mm-hmm. And when I wrote those, listen, I we now at Curiosity, we have we have um, Curiosity. Um, Media finance, which is our finance arm that finances uh, film and television, that is more internationally focused. We do not do debt, we do equity, but we Um, have a green light process that includes pre-selling both in television and in film Mm -hmm. and we as a creative company Curiosity Entertainment that includes Leif and myself we do film and television but we we are a creative unit so we also will do it for streamers we will also do it for studios we will do stuff where we're not financing Mm -hmm. Um, and then we have a development team and and when I went to write those two you know I had a couple people like just write something for yourself and finance it and all that but like, it was my first time as a writer writing treatments as a, and that makes me a creative producer, right? As a creative producer, mm-hmm. I did them with partners who were larger than me and split in the, the the capital to them to take it in, to prove myself in this new space. And I did not have ego about it. And I did not say, I need to make this movie. Mm-hmm. And I did not, for me, it was about the joy of doing the creative and getting mm-hmm. it out there. Yeah. You know, and, and even with our own projects, like we so many times we have to talk to other producers, like you sometimes there's a choice. You either get the story made yeah, that's or right. you don't. That's right. And yeah. like to be like, no, but I'm only going to get it made this way with this thing with me as the director, the writer, the actress or whatever. Like I get it. Right. But there are other ways for you to to be those things. Like sometimes you have to do what's right for the story. Because mm-hmm. wasn't that the point? Didn't we get into the storytelling industry to put stories on the world yeah. that would change the world and give hope to little kids and adults and not people to make going me the actor things? or star
3: or that's not. Yeah. So let's yep.
4: make it about the story. Right. And so, like, there's a certain amount of ego that I think needs to be taken out of the process as a creator. And by the way, that's that's hard when you've put all your money into one project. And so, um, you know, I would say that, like, it's important to have things that you're doing for business and things that you're doing for love. Right. Because if you want to tell... That story that you've been wanting to tell for ages, and you want to be the director of it, or wh- whatever it is, then then find some other stories you love that you can champion in other ways, so that you can be you can be giving yourself that creative energy and love, and you can still do the other thing the way you want to do it. Don't put all your eggs into the mm-hmm. one yeah. creative basket mm-hmm. because then you're gonna feel like that. You're gonna feel like oh no, this is my baby. I gotta, I gotta. <laughs> but here's the truth: you get to have lots of babies, and I hope you do because the world needs your stories
1: trust me all three of us have written projects several of them and over the years somebody's come out with that story Mm -hmm. or similar every single one of us you know what i mean so let me ask you something about curiosity um i was watching something with you in life um the other day it was right it was right before you guys went to london London. what Mm -hmm. was it
4: content london
1: yeah it was you called it something else there was another thing it's like our afi is that what it was? It was Content, Content London. London. Oh, I yeah. thought you called it something else. Forgive it was like me. recently. It was like a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Yeah. Um, what do you guys do over there? Is it kind of like AFI? Is it a little bit different than that?
4: Yeah, so um, so I, I have two partners in the company right now. Leif is my partner in Curiosity Entertainment, which is a creative <clears> company. We both develop and produce um, uh, film as well as television. Um, for both the streamers, the studios, as well as for our own financing. And then Mm -hmm. Satosh Govindaraju, who's both a creative producer with us, but also um, runs the the financing side of our company, Curiosity Media Finance. And so we have a slate now of, Um, four films it's fluctuated a bit with COVID so give Mm -hmm. me some grace there we've had to get rid of some and I'm hoping to hold on to one really hard right now or holding on to it really hard with my hope or is the better way to put it Mm -hmm. Um, so we'll see what happens Um, and now six TV shows and our TV shows specifically um, you know I Uh, wanted to follow, and Leif wanted to follow this international television model, Mm -hmm. and so we made it the core of our TV strategy. Um, It is uh, very similar to independent film, in terms of you take things to foreign anchors or to foreign um, distributors that come on as co-producers with you Mm -hmm. and then you're able to sell the the world and then bring it back domestically. They're still domestically, we have a couple local language um, TV shows Mm -hmm. as we all know is kind of becoming important. Um, And when we shoot in a location, we make sure to shoot Authentically to the language of that location, right. um, in, in terms of if the characters are from the location, but we, um, yeah, we mostly are following this television strategy that's been around for years. But mm-hmm. with the onset of the streamers, everyone's kind of attention has turned to the to the shiny objects. Um, uh, but you know, selling te- television internationally is what all the major networks do. Mm-hmm. And you as an independent producer have the ability to do so yep. as well. Um, and just we don't see a lot of people who are going and doing the work that way uh, mm-hmm. versus streamers. Now that being said, we are selling a couple of things to streamers. It's it's a different price point, so that's mm-hmm. one thing you need to learn about when you're looking into these different strategies. Um, and, and And then again, as we all know here, things are constantly changing. So I'm saying right now, it's a different price point, but when yeah. we went to market, we found out that the price points changed because of some of the international streamers that have come into yeah. um, into play. So yeah, we went to Content London last week, and we um, have our first couple of shows selling, uh, Echo Rights is selling a TV show that we did with Mark Williams who created Ozarks. Mm-hmm. That'll be, uh, Ozarks, that'll probably be the first. Um,
1: That's about the, Kids one traveling around Europe one. or something. Yeah, that's a dope one. That yeah. sounds good. Let me know when we start uh, the room. So, yeah, so, <laughs> and they're
4: selling. They're selling. They're selling two of our shows, and then we have, um, a, we have about, um, four others that are in the market, and then two other, uh, one other that's in development right now, mm. um. And television's interesting because you don't know when you walk in a room what someone will want. So sometimes we have something that we were planning for like yep. third quarter of next year. And then all of a sudden we'll go in the room and they'll want that and mm-hmm. we'll move that up. So it's a constant mm-hmm. moving ball. Um mm-hmm. And we were lucky because of the pandemic that we actually had two years to develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sure. to a lot of people, they're like, oh, it sounds like you guys are doing a lot, but they forget that like, yeah. I did all, we already did all this. Like, mm-hmm. and I worked through, I worked from 7 a.m. to whatever, every day of the pandemic, because what mm-hmm. else was I gonna do, watch the news and power and <laughs> terror? And um, so we finished all these, and now it's just about, we were holding them because the market had not bounced yeah. back. We were holding them, and now it's just about getting And everybody
1: was backed up, you know, because of the RONA.
4: We would, have, we would have been sorry. taking a pay cut for sure Down, if we yeah. put something. Physical. No, I just was going to say,
3: it's, it's it's interesting what you're saying about the international television model. It's like, you know, I used to work at a completion bond company and I took that job because I wanted to see how, how indie films were made, mm-hmm. you know, like on the finance side, mm-hmm. I, because I had a finance background and everything like that. And I was like, I want to see how this is done. And it kind of like, and it opened up my eyes to what people do and how they make films and it always used to startle me i was like you know why is there such a um i look there's a fear of trying to learn this additional stuff right Mm -hmm. or or like you said people know the one way and then they don't want to do anything else Mm -hmm. you know i always sit around and say you know like these guys won't make another movie these directors i wanted to see i Mm -hmm. i I, I, the hughes brothers like i they what's wrong with their project? oh can't find anything susan doing stuff i was like but you have a name or you could attract talent, but you could do this international sales model. But right. I don't think you guys know how to do it, or you're afraid to do it. I would meet producers who would get mad about, can't get the studio to buy. I was like, but you have a name and a track record. There's another way to do it. And they just would always kind of like have a, have a fear, a hesitation mm-hmm. to want to do something, do something that was like, like, like outside of the, the norm, what their friends were doing.
1: But Andrew and just said something earlier. We come from that old style mm-hmm. of how you do stuff, you, you, and they only know they, that they only like, know. And, it, it's, you and you and I, talk, just one quick—you and I talk all the time about somebody we know, who's a big director who could easily be making movies, yeah, and choose chooses not to, to, to wait to, for the studio to, to, to do to, their, to, their to, thing. To, to I'm like, right, to, you mess dude, it up, dude. I'm making movies for hundred grand, two hundred grand, you, and they look great. Why wouldn't you try? Yeah, it wouldn't. You wouldn't even miss that money. But, see, this, <laughs> but it's it's ego. Exactly. It's
3: ego. You know, there's a really great book that I read. Um, by Ryan Holiday uh, ego is the enemy mm-hmm. right it's, it's a lot it's yeah. so much in this business because who's that guy who did that it I love hard work yeah yes. I mean we're going right back to those doing. workouts
4: from the beginning it's yeah. hard work <laughs> like, like do you know how many yeah. stones I, I had probably 15 conversations with people from TV on my own time with no one paying me before I decided to follow this strategy yeah. and before Leif and I became partners you know, I, I and it took me like a year to have all those conversations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I had th- these are not like these are not like easy things to. F- when we were talking earlier and we were talking about telling people all this sausage, these are not easy things to no, figure out. Not. No,
5: they're not. They're not
4: easy things to figure out because someone could tell you, oh, yeah. you need a you need a great showrunner mm-hmm. and that's going to make you sellable and you need a story and mm-hmm. da da da. But like. A lot of that is relationships. Mm -hmm. It's like building these relationships and like, you know, people are so like fickle to understanding how much time and effort and heart, Mm -hmm. most importantly, goes in at least what I make them, a lot of heart goes into it. I'm not just like meeting people to meet people, I've gone to their birthdays, I've spent time, like, I and I care about mm-hmm. those people, and more importantly, I care about what their goals are, mm-hmm. which is actually why we've had such tremendous sex, su- 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 mm. <laughs> Well, we've had such tremendous su- success in our first year is because we have, like, I actually care about what my creatives wanna do and like what their goal is and that's genuine
1: yeah, you're very like, supportive
4: that's See, genu- yeah. like i want to know like what show they want to the make priorities. and that's where the relationships come from and so like i can tell you you can go for- like i i've had people be like oh can you introduce me to the <laughs> showrunner or can you introduce me and i'm like I'm, i will introduce you if i'm doing your pro- yeah. if i'm doing the project i'm invested in it but like these are like, I'm invested in their success, and like, that's why we have a copacetic relationship mm. is because I'm like, okay, what else do you have? I'll help support you in mm-hmm. this, and like, they're doing the same to me. It's not like, it's give hey, and take. Yeah. Here's my Here's my lacrosse story. Now I need you to do it, and I'll throw a big paycheck <laughs> at your head, you know? Right, it's
3: right. Like very well, it, well it, you know what? It's the thing of it's kind of like a weird thing. It's, um, you know, everyone. Again like, like What's the perception Of Hollywood And like Everyone Who's really in it Knows it's a relationship Business mm-hmm. But the weird thing Is people come at it Thinking that it's A transaction business There is transactions That has to happen But It's so much about Who you want to work with And why Because that is like It's going to determine Like hey There's someone really cool we can work with mm-hmm. Oh, he's an asshole,
4: I, and I gotta <laughs> tell we, you, we like, not
3: doing that. You know,
4: I learned the best lesson from my from my business partner, Santosh, um, and it was something that was very intrinsically me. Mm. But he he does a really great job of defining it. Um, and he comes primarily from the finance side and I had worked for all the, a lot of different financiers but when I started and when we decided to join, he was actually first, Curiosity was created by me and him and then later on Leif ended up joining the company. Mm-hmm. Um, when we first sat down to lay out the, the, the roadmap and I'd, like put together the mission and everything mm-hmm. and, and he taught me this one catchphrase that he uses all the time, and it's called, or it's not called, it's it's the phrase alignment of interests.
5: Okay. And, Priorities, he, yeah.
4: and he said, he was like, here's the thing like,
1: that's a teacher. The <laughs> difference
4: between me, us offering financing, mm-hmm. and someone else offering financing, people are so quick and they're looking at like, Oh, there's all, cause he, he creates very complete term sheets. So that there's mm. no surprises at the end. Mm. And we have a very strict green light. And like, he's like, people see all this information up front and they are like, oh, like this person's a conservative financier, this is like whatever this is, but they're not actually understanding it. I'm just trying to give them all the information. Mm. And if they look at the terms, I don't make money unless they make money. Mm. And so me as a producer, and all of our deals and all of these deals, they're all set up so that we don't, as a company, make money unless our head creative's making money and unless everyone else on the team. So like, I have no incentive to slow down your project,
5: Mm -hmm.
4: right? But I still have to have this conversation with some of our producers again and (laughs) again because they're so not used to it. Mm -hmm. I have no incentive to like, to like, tell you to take back in, because if I'm telling you to take it back and I'm taking back in. Right. I have no incentive to yeah. not have this project make money because mm-hmm. if it doesn't make money, I'm not making the extra money either.
5: Right.
4: And that changes an entire ecosystem. Yeah. And I have never worked in an ecosystem like that before because it's not traditional to our- Totally, HR, totally, our totally traditional not. Completely. And those producers and creatives and writers and directors, all of the above, and I consider myself a hybrid of all of the above, mm-hmm. right? Like. We are. We were taught to like focus on our fee. Like, oh, okay. So I got two hundred. Yeah, and your credit, five hundred. And, and like, am I getting fucked? Am right. I getting fucked? Am, yeah, I, getting yeah. fucked? am mm-hmm. I getting fucked? Me, I getting me, me, me. And we were not. But like, why did we get into this? When I was in theater, and I was a little kid, mm-hmm. and I was on the stage of Oliver Twist, and I was <laughs> singing, and I was dancing I want my little some
3: more, please, sir. Can I have some more? My little heart out
4: it was about hilarious. the party <laughs> it was about the end of the thing it was about the family we mm-hmm. created and oh my god we did this mm-hmm. together right. and now you grow up and you work in this industry and guess what there's none of that so how do we recreate that well it has to be i win you win we all win mm-hmm. the star doesn't well, all. Well, all of well, us win.
3: okay we'll take the, so it's interesting because there is some of that where the teams the team comes together and wins to a lot Like we were talking earlier about West Side Story and mm-hmm. it's like you know like in uh, Steven Spielberg how he he's able to work He comes in under schedule a lot on his films, and he doesn't spend a lot of money. And I was watching this documentary on him, and he was, and it was like he brings back the same people all the time. Mm -hmm. Like Michael Kahn has edited every film he's done except for like one, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like because because that so he's always bringing back the team and (coughs) constantly. So and he's created this family that allows him to work at the pace that he wants to do Mm -hmm. and and at the the level of quality that he wants too but a lot of people aren't they're not into that you know they feel oh i'm he,
4: into that you know I and mean, when i direct no, yeah, i will 1000 yeah it's, it's this thing <laughs> right. where
3: you realize where you're like oh these is a, these people is like you know like they have instilled a sense of family they've instilled this sense of camaraderie and faith and this sense of loyalty with their people mm-hmm. and that's why they're successful and people who aren't that like where's my money I want my fee I am gonna discredit those credit hogs I mean like that I mean mm-hmm. we all know them like that they don't have this they're, they're focusing on that because they don't have the success that they want because they've, they're acting like that it's like mm-hmm. a, it's like that circle like well you behave this way so you know, but you, you know so it's harder for the, it, so it might be like you know like um You know, like every fifth job they get, as opposed Mm -hmm. to like to to, Mm -hmm. to every every other job, because everyone's kind of like there's something about their energy that feels like a little off. You know, and then you're like, well, and and that's something you really can't put into words about the reason why I'm saying no. But it has to do with what you're saying. It's like Mm -hmm. you're not creating this sense of uh, there's this like you said when you were a kid that cast party is fantastic. It's like that in a movie too, when you did a little rap party. If you have the right. It's the right people <laughs>
5: It's the best It's the best <laughs> Get to that, get get to well, that
3: Martini bro. Well yeah Well yeah, but, yeah but, You know Because you've all Been through this Furnace mm-hmm. Together You know Together And it's like And that has and like the pace made the is just Yeah And that, and, and that <laughs> has made you Like a unit And then to Kind of like You know Dismiss it For whatever it is It's, it's kind of a mistake mm-hmm. I, like, I think it. You know Yeah
1: well, let, let's start to wrap this up. Um,
4: <laughs> but thank, <laughs> longest suppose, story ever. Sorry, guys. No, 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 no. What, we always go
1: in for about two no, hours. No yet. apology okay. needed. Yeah, nothing okay. at all. Um, what do you want people to know that about you, and maybe about your company, and you know what you plan to do in the future, you
4: yeah. know, stuff like that.
1: And since we're toward the end of the year, any goals for yourself in the in the new year or plans?
4: For sure. Um, so. Our company, if you missed it, is called Curiosity Entertainment. Um, I named it that because it is that endless pursuit of curiosity that mm-hmm. keeps us going as creatives. Right. Um, and we tell stories that, you know, no matter what type of story it is horror, thriller, um, drama, action we look for th- characters that speak to the base of human resonance. Right. We want that character to move you. We want them to push you to do something else, to look at a, at a at a situation from a different vantage point or mm-hmm. a viewpoint. Um, that's what we're focused on. Nice. We're focused on changing vibrations and helping people understand each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm so grateful to both my partners, uh, Leif just is such a dynamo in the television space and as a creative and i'm so grateful i wouldn't have made it through the pandemic if i hadn't (laughs) found him as a creative partner um and santosh who is an amazing human being and um has really backed me with vision and you know it was a hard year guys it was Mm -hmm. two years i started the company three months before the pandemic and it was two years where we started with six films and we lost all six films and we had mm. to rebuild, well, except for two, and we had to rebuild the whole slate and we mm. had to learn TV and we didn't get that like success of like making that announcement mm. or putting that thing out and so it, it was a lesson in patience, mm-hmm. right? Um, but what a boon to be able to spend two years developing without any noise without a timeline on our heads and so we're just so excited for the tv shows and films that we're going to be putting out this year our first film will start in the cayman islands i um, shooting in the first yes. first quarter and our first TV show, as I said, the Mark Williams show will probably mm-hmm. be the first one to go. We also have TV shows with Rob Weiss who created Baller's Entourage, How mm-hmm. to Make it America, the Niece Brothers who did Umbrella oh, right, Rob,
1: Rob's the best. Rob's
4: Rob. the best. Um, the Tell race- him he
1: better be calling a brother
4: I will. Don't
1: let me call him Rob. I will. He's kidding. seriously
4: mm-hmm. one of the best human beings. Rob is dope. Um, all of them are. Um, the mm-hmm. Nice Brothers, who who have been working on Umbrella Academy for the mm-hmm. last couple years. Thanks. Kevin Fox, who's just a brilliant creative who did Law and Order, SVU for mm-hmm. years as a showrunner, and Lie to Me and How to Make It in America. Um, Nazrin Chowdhury, who did Fear of the Walking Dead, mm-hmm. we have a co-production mm-hmm. with Alcon with them, uh, with her. Um, and I think those are the ones I can name right now. We've nice. got we've got a couple others that uh, we are still hush, finishing,
5: hush. <laughs> still finishing putting
4: together, and the casting is being finished in all our films. But they, um, I know Lawrence uh, Lawrence Fishburne signed on to one of them. We can talk nice, about nice. that. We're working with Nimrod Antal's next movie, um, who did Predators. So mm-hmm. we are we are going and full scale. But I think when you ask like, what I want people to know about me is, you know, just that like, I'm an artist and I'm still evolving. Right. I'm still evolving and so the beautiful part <coughs> of this part of my career is, you know, I just fully get to be that creative. We've we've been working on a short that I'm gonna be directing. Oh, yeah. um, I'm finishing it, I helped write some of the music for it. Okay. Um, and for me, I refuse to live in a box, so that that creative journey is undefined, and it'll continue right. to be undefined, mm-hmm. um, but I plan to live it fully.
1: Indeed. That's what's up. Um, where can people follow you sure. all over the place? Sure.
4: <laughs> um, all my social media <clears throat> handles are under my first name, so ad A-D-H-R-U-C-I-A. Um, on all social handles, I have my <laughs> first name. Our company website is www.curiosityentertainment. Sorry, www.curiosityentertainment.com. Um, you can also find that on my Instagram profile. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we have a social handle on Instagram for Curiosity, and it's at Curiosity Entertainment, and we just feed you your daily dose of that motivation Mm -hmm. mindset, um, but from filmmakers and actors, and of the geeky behind the scenes of VFX and how to make this and how Mm -hmm. to make that, and uh, of course, information from our company, so. uh,
1: And on Clubhouse, what mm-hmm. about your, your rooms you have in there?
4: So we actually haven't done a lot of Clubhouse. Oh, not, you've been gone for a
1: minute, haven't you? We
4: haven't done a lot of Clubhouse, but if anybody would like us to come back, you know, we ran a, we a show called Storymakers for quite some time that was we're that thinking Fridays of. or something? It was Wednesdays at five o'clock where we interviewed the top directors, producers, and writers from our industry. Yeah. It was very successful. We had almost 24 episodes, some of the top talent from our mm-hmm. industry. And I have recordings of all of it and have considered bringing it back as a podcast or a show. Um, <clears throat> but right now, you know, I really thought that what happened with. Um, with social audio was so beautiful during Mm. the pandemic. And we met some great friends Mm. like yourself that are gonna be friends with us for ages. Um, But I I haven't figured out the right way to return. We also used to run a Hollywood breakdown where we ran through the news that was named after my my favorite. It was a it was a tribute to my favorite podcast on um, on Hollywood News, and we would run it every Friday mm. with people like yourself and mm. go through the top topics of the industry. Um, I think that audio, social audio is here to stay. I think there's some kinks that need to be worked oh, yeah. out with it. Yeah. Um, and so I love Clubhouse and yeah. I would love to come back sometime, but it it needs to, I think that in anything that we all do as creatives, we need to um, look at time value. And um,
1: that was that was my issue. I yeah, felt like some kinks
4: any too work. Well, out.
1: I just felt like, and I was only in there for just like a month or two, mm-hmm. and then I'd pop in every mm-hmm. just for like yours or you know, Ivette's room or something, or you know, um, Gino. And and I found like time would be going by, and I'm like, okay, that's I'm a busy person. That's yeah. it. I don't have time to be sitting yeah. in this room listening and it's fun when it's like six people in a room and then yeah. there's people downstairs yeah. but then when it's like 40 people up there and you gotta wait for people I'm like I don't have time to be sitting here waiting
3: yeah. this, is I don't.
1: this is interesting <laughs>
3: about Clubhouse what you're saying it's like we have evolved into this time shifted space we can answer emails whenever we want we can watch TV shows whenever we want like, like like we're not that appointment type of stuff you know TV whatever mm-hmm. it is oh well, that's gone now but Clubhouse, because it's a live event, it kind of is appointment thing, and I think mm-hmm. people, I think there's a weird, I think there's a there's some sort of friction in that. I think because 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 that was my thing. All the time I was like, I guess time to go out this time of day. Mm-hmm. I really don't. This is like when I'm most creative. Yeah. So I'm like, and 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 I couldn't figure out how to to, to record off of it, you know. And, mm-hmm. and, and then I was like, do I don't want to spend the time to even do that, you know. Yeah. So I, yeah, it's 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 really, you know, someone told me it was like um. Those, A, those old AOL chat rooms up with voice. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, the second one the second one this. It but it's like, again. And I just,
4: I just did Slack for my first time with the rap, uh, the rap, the magazine, industry magazine mm-hmm. had this Slack channel thing that they mm-hmm. did the other day, which is literally AOL chat. So you just yeah. text, you don't even talk. Yeah.
5: Uh-huh.
4: Um, you know, it's getting interesting. The social platforms, there's just so many of them now. And it's like overwhelming yes. to to learn all of them. Um, And I think what's beautiful about social platforms um, is that you can have this one-on-one interaction with people and really help people. And I think Clubhouse did a beautiful job of kind of fostering that at the beginning. But I think what happens with a lot of social platforms is that you and I come from an industry and we specifically are very um, aware of value of creative we work day in day out on fighting for value of creative. And with social platforms, it takes a second for them to understand how to give value to their creatives. Mm-hmm. And so I think that Clubhouse and the other social audio platforms will figure it out. But I think that that's why you've seen kind of an exodus of a lot of the filmmakers oh, yeah. because we are people who believe that our creative is valued, we, we know our creative hey, is valued at you know, something.
3: Right. Right. And that's so a little, it's yeah. a
4: little bit different than- I don't know how to monetize on
3: it, days. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, well, you know, I think that's, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, I always lamented that everything on the internet at first was always free, you know, because then you, you got to move to these paywalls and things like that, and, <laughs> and, 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 which is, and I, and I used to say, why don't you do paywalls in the beginning? If you didn't pay well at the beginning, then everyone is used to it and they're not. And so it's I think there's a, there's a you're definitely right. And so people are used to not paying for things mm-hmm. and they don't, and and TV shows, whatever it is, like I think that when they think of Netflix or the streamers, they don't, they think all oh, that's for free to a degree. Yeah. Because it's $13 and you can have, you know, like your entire month, it can be filled with content if you want it. It then, like the value of it becomes so, of each piece becomes so little. I think that's what it is, is that you're not, not but for us like there was a big debate recently or some guy did something on youtube i didn't see i just saw some headlines on it about he, this guy spent what 10 years trying to do Squid Game right this other guy made this kind of knockoff thing in like 7 days or something like that 11 days and, the, and, I, and everyone was like oh god him! Hey, we can do it in 7 days you don't need Hollywood I was like you don't even no. get to make what you did unless he spent the 10 years exactly and the thing is is that you're not valuing the time he spent and the door sounded in his face Thanks. and the, I mean if you just did your idea off the rip then there's no one watching it mm-hmm. because who are you mm-hmm. you know because because you because you, you, you've built no audience you've done mm-hmm. nothing and you haven't and you're not valuing that guy's effort you know so yeah.
1: so where where you at chris
3: <clears throat> i am at unauthorized yeah. cbd <laughs> on twitter and instagram that's for that Tracy and no other platforms. I don't.
2: Twitter, uh, <laughs> Twitter at The Real Trae, R-E-E-L-T-R-A-Y, Instagram, Tracy Grant 5439, Tracy Grant 5439. Holla. That's
1: what's up. And I am your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter. I say Twitter like I'm cool. <laughs> on Twitter Hi. at oh. Hilliard Guess. Um, screenwriters R R for the show. Also, I'm on that goddamn fucking clubhouse. Um, I always say that. Fucking clubhouse. (laughs) Uh, At Hilliard Guess. Any questions, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you listen to. We're everywhere all around the globe you can follow us what else Chris you can
3: support the show on our Patreon link if you go to screenwritersrr.com screenwritersrr.com there'll be a Patreon link on the homepage the rest of the stuff is still being updated you know because I've been gone on the show uh, but you can um, yeah support the show that way there'll be different tiers there's 5, 10, $25 tiers you can get all this kind of cool stuff mugs and shirts which is all, and, and all that stuff might be hot back orders and stuff right now because of the <laughs> pandemic <laughs> and the little thing with the supply chain stuff but don't worry things are
1: coming out um, but yeah support the show ScreenwritersRR.com Indeed indeed we appreciate you thank you Sharice for sitting with us thank you. thank you for hanging And thank you Sharice <clears throat> um, all that good stuff um, what was I going to say oh I was going to say something to you really quick um, I forgot the last time I saw you was at the screening for the movie that I can't say <laughs> that, 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 that we can't say um, that I Ghost Road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I know this. Y'all yeah, know what it is. I know this. <laughs> I forgot. That was the last time I saw you yeah, in person. Yeah,
4: yeah. I've become an introvert, guys, post-pandemic. <laughs> like, all these big events, uh, oh, getting oh, dressed oh, up, oh, oh, social yeah. anxiety. What's
3: that? Never mind. I'll tell you I'll Tell you. offline. <laughs> yeah, like, yes,
4: you. I definitely saw you there. Mm-hmm. Um, the On the red of, carpet. We were working of, it. One of my first... You know, and I didn't even, like... Like that red carpet, mm-hmm. like it didn't even dawn on me, like it's a red carpet. It
1: was kind of weird. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I hadn't
4: like mm. done the thing. I've got a yeah, great yeah. girlfriend who's been like pulling me out. And then I'm like, God damn, Getty Images is <laughs> exactly. like I. I've gotten into my work grind you know so like i'm working till like four o'clock and i'm like oh yeah i'll go i'll go with you to this thing and then i show up I'm like oh man they're gonna take my picture <laughs> it was a, blah, 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 blah. i'm not so sure about all this <laughs> so,
1: but the, the picture you took of me and you there was like one of my favorite photos oh
4: yeah because yeah,
1: you not a picture you should post
4: it i did oh you did okay yeah. good i should post it yeah okay i'll do that huh.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I got a
4: reason to
2: now. Exactly. Quick shout out my man, mm. Justin Ruff Elam, phenomenal actor, producer, mm. is Mom, Tricia Elam Walker, who's a phenomenal children's book. Justin and I are working on something, so I know I know they're listening. So. What's up, Justin?
1: That's what's up. No problem. Go ahead and promote it
2: all you can. Um, everybody, go find your show. Where again? One more time. Allblack.tv. A-L-L-B-L-K.tv. Laces on All Black. You can also get it through Amazon Prime. Put All Black in the search. And we thank the audience. We appreciate y'all for supporting and digging the show. Indeed. We're talking about season two now.
1: Come on now. Um, everybody joining me for Wakanda Forever. Everybody, you guys know how we do it on the rant room on the show. We keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what everybody. Wakanda, Wakanda forever. forever. Peace, y'all. I'ma say what I feel,
0: and I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the rant room. Wanna be a rider, Well, you gotta be a writer till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind, and the pen has got me stressed in the red room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, they mix up a Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more no game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what
5: you want.